I supposed to be the franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. Yeah. Not a game, not a game. Not a game. Slap that like she scored 30. We talking about sports. I mean, what are we even talking about, man? We talking about sports here. I like big butts and I cannot lie. That mother brother can't do nah. When a girl walks in with an itty bitty bent and a big thing in your face, you get sprung. <laughs> Yo, when's Lillard gonna cool off, man? Is he cooling off any time this, in this playoffs? Hopefully, hopefully not against the Lakers and uh, maybe. Man, I mean, we maybe we he runs just, out of juice uh, trying to win that series and become a superstar, become a household name. Man, I think he's already a superstar. I think he's staked his claim, hit rightfully so. And this is honestly, I think the proper way to put it is, he's just putting everybody on notice right now because he's been doing the damn thing for the past five to six years. And just say he's on the West Coast. He plays on a small market team. You really don't see a lot of his games on national television unless he's playing one of these other big name or big market teams. He's been doing the thing, and he's been the Portland Trailblazers since he's gotten drafted. Face of the franchise, no doubt. Puts the team on his back. He's averaged over 26 for the last four or five years, topping out at 30 this year, I think, or he's close to 30 right now, 29 point something. And he's just put on a crazy performance in the bubble. So I, I think with what he's done on national television, every game on ESPN, TNT, or NBA Network, or the, the NBA channel, he's been balling. He's been balling. And it, it's against the top competition in the league. Everybody that got invited here was a playoff contender, at least. And he's balled out on every occasion. Now, Not is, it, cra is it crazy? To say they, at this they fired point, him up, bro, they fired him up. He didn't show up at the bubble intending to go this hard. Skip Bayless, Pat Bev, and Paul George. Paul George, um, PG 13. They, they riled him up, bro, because he did have that one game where, um, he, he didn't come through for his team with those free throws. But since then, it's just been a killing spree for anybody mm -hmm. guarding him, and so, it's it's been from wherever. Like he's been draining from from wherever. Is, does he have his own range, or is he considered within the Curry range? I'm one to say that Curry's the guy who opened it up for people to shoot out there. So anybody that shoots out there, regardless of they're shooting more than him or not, it's Curry range. And you can't disrespect Steph Curry like that by just calling it Lillard range. Although it's crazy to see him pull up from where he's been pulling up from. That one shot that he hit his off the pick and roll his against the Lakers. Like his they don't like even, like, move the net, nothing. Like, there's, there's a sense, like, it looks like Steph might be, like, chunking it a little. But, yeah. I mean, he's a natural shooter, yeah, I mean, but that's just my We remember seeing him carry the MVP trophy, bro. He, he had to, like, do a little squat to hold it up, right? Yeah, but, I mean, the, the first one that I ever saw shoot like that was Steph. And I still go back to, the, I think it was that game against the Thunder. Was it opening night? Um, they were wearing the like black the jerseys. One? Yeah, and he just bombed it from half court pretty much to win the game. They were down by two. Um, so, yeah, I, I still got to give Steph his respect. But back to Damon Lillard, man, I, I think he's a superstar. I, I think he's proved it. I, I think he's, like, right – what would you say? 
We don't have to give Steph any respect. He didn't do anything this year. We can save it for next year. He's been he, hurt. We, he might be representing the Warriors at the lottery here in like the next 30 minutes. He, he may be. I don't know who's representing who, but um, we'll see who the, the Warriors end up with. They're probably going to end up with the number one pick uh, for all we know uh, with the, <laughs> the odds that they have. And Lonzo and replace Curry. Yeah. I mean, uh, not you Lonzo. Mello. Mello. Yeah, mellow. But, you know, Damon uh, Lillard, and this probably was talked about a little bit more uh, last week after he got into it with Paul George and Patrick Beverly, uh, both guys who he sent home in the playoffs uh, on their respective teams. Uh, but it, it just brought up the, the talk of, is there any credence to what Damon Lillard said by calling out Paul George and, and Patrick Beverly and saying that, you know, you guys, you swap teams you know, you're running from the grind. You're looking to pair up with somebody who can carry the load since you're not that type of player, a la Paul George trying to hook up with Russell Westbrook, although I think that was more of a, um, evil even playing field with those two. But then he moves yeah. on to uh, Kawhi Leonard, and it's clear Kawhi Leonard is the alpha there. There's any question right. uh, who the alpha is between Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard. So I asked that to say, do you think there's... Not do you think, but what side of the coin do you do you land I'm, on? I'm on Dame's side in speaking to Paul George, but not Patrick Beverly because Patrick Beverly has grind to get to where he is right now. Like he was in the G League, he was overseas. For sure, Patrick Beverly's a dog. He's been grinding. So unfortunately for him, he got traded as a part of the CP3 deal. Him and Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams, they were all a part of that. Like they just happened to end up there. Paul George went and seeked out teaming up with uh, Kawhi Leonard, you know, after already being teamed up with with Westbrook. But like you said, uh, Dame knocked him out of the playoffs and made Paul George switch teams. Made him switch teams, exactly. Yeah, yeah he's so the reason he, why Paul George is in L.A. He, he has a point, for sure he has a point. And I, I know that you had, uh, you had mentioned to me just on the side that it got kind of personal, like as far as uh, members. Yeah, of so Paul get- George's fiance uh, started posting stuff on Instagram. A Damon Lillard sister and her got into it, which led to Paul George reaching out to Damon Lillard and kind of, you know, squashing the beef and just saying, hey, this is all competitive banner. Nothing more than that. You know, just excited to be in the position that we're in. But we'll get into it a little bit later. The Clippers. I don't know if their path is as clear as we we all thought it was. Uh, everybody here on the pod, except for I'm Justin, um, had them as uh, the champion uh, going into this year. Most NBA pundits do as well, but uh, we'll get into that when we do the the NBA playoff update. But without further ado, hey, this is episode 16 of the We Talking About Sports podcast. Yeah. If you haven't noticed, there's only two voices talking today. Uh, Justin uh, couldn't be with us today. There's uh, some technical difficulties on his side, but without further ado, I'm Roland Zamora, and I'm joined here today by uh, with Ben Diaz, a main yeah. contributor here. Justin's so ben, behind the curtains. Justin's yeah, behind the curtains. He, he's the brains behind the operation. He's keeping things going right now. He's not with us on camera, but he's here in he's, spirit. He's in sure. his Kanye bag producing. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's producing it right now on the computer <laughs> for sure. But Ben, uh, tell me a little bit about what you've been up to since uh, we've last potted. Have you been watching some of these games? Uh, yeah, what's, bro. What's working, working, and then on the weekends, you know, partying a bit, turning on the grill. This past weekend was watching the, the UFC. Less than 10 game. people at all times? Yeah. Uh, of course, of course. <laughs> hey, my circle's like a Cheerio, baby. We keep it tight. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I had people over for the Stipe and DC fight, man, the, the pay-per-view, the UFC. 
And other than that, just been watching my Rockets do work, baby. Oh, Looking yeah. Like, looking like we're on a mission to the title. Uh, we we just finished uh, game two, one, and it feels good to be doing the podcast off a win and a 2-0 lead in the series. Oh, nice 2-0 lead. Because yep. last time we were doing player. the podcast, I was here kind of frightened of the Thunder because they had beaten us three times in the regular season. But shit, man, the playoffs is a complete different atmosphere, a complete different game, and and it's showing. It's showing, man. Without Russ, you know, for both games, and we're going to get into it later if he's even going to play in this series. But I don't think you need him. No, I'm, I'm very confident, and I, I like what I'm seeing, man. I like what yeah. I'm seeing. Nice, man. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, myself, I actually I got on a plane. Uh, this past weekend or actually like on Friday and then back on on Monday went to go visit some buddies um, up in uh, Fort Worth shout out Will shout out India just got a new house up there so I went and joined them and and just spent a little bit of relaxing time actually got out on the lake have a serious almost serious back injury I was wakeboarding and I I did not fare well there's there are no videos don't ask I, I did not take any videos of the incident but i can tell you my back is sore it, it happened on saturday and it's still tweaked a little bit so did you like back flop or what i'll leave the details out but i like i fake i face planted essentially oh, uh yeah it was pretty bad um but no it's all good it was fun it was nice just to have a change of scenery and get away from uh, the grind uh, that I've been on uh, for the past couple months at work. So, yeah, I'm just glad to be back potting. There's been a lot of sports going on. It feels almost right. back to normal. We got the NHL playoffs going on, got the NBA playoffs going on. NHL's the, been intense. Yeah, NHL's been crazy. Baseball's finding a way to survive. I'm surprised they're not canceled yet. I, I saw the Mets. Their game just got canceled because of COVID. Oh, so shit. we'll see. And I've been seeing some weird stuff. Like team, Some teams have played 20 games. Some teams have only played 10. Like the Cardinals. Yeah, I don't know how it's going to shake out at the end of the year. Our our Astros are on an eight-game win streak, baby. They're looking good. They're looking good, hopefully. Yesterday, Jordan Jordan Alvarez, after coming back for like two or three games, got uh, out for the season with a knee injury. Oh, wow. Hopefully, uh, Bregman is okay, too. I saw he came up. Bregman's Um, getting an MRI for his hammy as well. But Altuve had four hits today, man. Nice. He's on fire. Yeah, eight game, yeah. eight eight wins in a row. Hell yeah, and there's a there's no trash cans involved, so you guys can't say anything about that. No we we would all we would all hear it otherwise because there's no fans, fans in the stands. So yeah, uh, let, but let's get into it a little bit here. Uh, we started talking about uh, Damon Lillard in the NBA, and before we we're not yet at the playoff update, but we have a couple of little updates here. As you guys know, the draft lottery is tonight. That's going to be taking place between the Bucks and the uh, Blazers. I mean, Bucks versus Magic. Don't want to disrespect them. The Bucks are down one zero right now, trying to tie it up. And the Lakers and Blazers game. So that's going to be taking place in between that. So it'll have come out by the time uh, the the podcast is broken up or has been released. So as we all know, the team. Roland, shout out my brother Leo. He's having a. A party, a, a lottery party. He's having a lottery party because hoping the Warriors team. get the one pick, and it he is. invited more than ten people because it's for the Warriors, bro. He so invited more than ten people. Report, yeah. Shout out to a. He really wants his number one pick. So Man, and, but I don't know though. Having a lottery party. I I think this class or this draft class is a little weird. I I don't get 
a very, very good feeling about it. I think there's a lot of unknown, especially when you take into the take into consideration everything that's been going on with COVID and coronavirus. Um, I don't know how much scouting these teams have been able to do. Obviously, uh, March Madness got canceled, although the, the draft prospects are pretty much shaken out by that time. So probably not too much of an effect on, on the draft order and information that's out on these guys. But just the the talent crop um, in this year's draft, I think it's really hit or miss. Um, I, I saw a Bleacher Report article that um, – brought up a pretty good point this reminds me of the draft in 2013 when anthony bennett went number one so you have a bunch of guys that are in the mix but depending on who you ask one person might have Lamelo ball as their number one draft pick somebody else might not even have them in their top 10 so that's kind of the the varying opinions that we have on the the talent this year so I don't know the number one pick is such a coveted spot. I, I do this think is, you'd rather be up there than at number 14 for sure. That's uh, why, to, Roland, that's why this is the year that the that the Knicks get the number one pick, bro. Exactly, it's when it's not a sure. Certain, yeah, bro. Exactly. It's less than certain for sure. And usually the past couple of years, the top one to at least the top two guys, you knew that you're getting yourself a pretty good player or a chance of turning into an all-star these past few years. Uh, last year highlighted by Zion and, and John Morant. And then you saw the drop-off to R.J. Barrett um, after that. No disrespect to R.J., but I just don't think he's in the same class as those two players. And so back to 2013, you have Anthony Bennett, who went number one, and then Giannis went number 15 that year. How CJ, insane is that? C.J. McCullough, number 10. So I, I think this, this draft has a lot of similarities to that one. There's a lot of guys... KCP uh, number eight. Damn, that draft yeah. was weak, boy. Uh, <laughs> Lamelo Ball is probably up there as the the number one prospect. There's Anthony Edwards, the, uh, the big man from, from Georgia, the big man from Memphis. But see, he, he came into the to the college um, got year. Suspended, right? Memphis. Yeah, he got suspended after a couple games. But I mean, he was averaging a twenty and ten double double. James Wiseman, he did what he needed to do. Right. But if you ask scouts, there's somebody who doesn't even have them in the lottery right now, or they have them as a bottom-end bottom lottery pick. So well, the, there's a varying um, difference of opinions on a lot of these guys. So it gives me a lot of uncertainty. That would be like coming out of high school, right? Yeah. For him? Almost. almost. And then you have the, the college guy um, in there that everybody knows and loves from Dayton this year. Took the college basketball scene by storm. Oh, hell um, yeah. Toppin. He's athletic, man. Oh, Obi Toppin. Yeah, he's going to be a, a top 10 pick for sure. Um, I like but him, he's, he's a little bit older, so he kind of drops off a little bit. Uh, there's been talk Who's of the international Patrick, guy. Who's uh, the international guy is actually he's out of Israel. Uh, his name is Denny Avid Avdija. I'm probably um, messing like small, that up. Small forward, bad. power forward, or what? Yeah, he's like a point forward. He's he's playing that power forward position. Uh, yeah, he lines up at the small and power forward spot. He's a do-it-all kind of perimeter player. Um, he led his team in the Israel League to the championship. Maccabi Tel Aviv is one of the bigger um, bigger European squads. Um, and in EuroLeague play, he looked pretty good um, from what the scouts are saying. And they have him anywhere from the 6 to 10 range. So we'll see. I, I just don't know uh, if there's any prospect out there that you're just like, damn, I have to trade up to get him or um, 
trade a pick to or trade a player to go up and, and get another. Who was the standout player. at Kentucky this year? Like, isn't that who usually who goes number one usually? Mm, well, not necessarily. I mean, Zion Kentucky's was always player. at least got two dudes in the top five. Kentucky or yeah. Duke. The the names that I'm seeing here, uh, not really from Kentucky. I mean, you have that Memphis player. You have uh, Obi Toppin from. Uh, Dayton, Anthony Edwards from Georgia, James Wiseman from Memphis, LaMelo Ball, RJ Hampton, both played in Australia. Uh, another interesting name that's been popping up is uh, Patrick Williams. Uh, he is a kind of a 6'8", small power forward from um, Florida State. He's from that, that crop of lengthy defender yeah, yeah, who yeah. can you know put the ball on the floor. They were the tallest team. The bucket as well. Consistently one of the tallest teams in basketball. Um, didn't Isaac and all those guys came out of there. Didn't uh, scare anybody away with his stat line or, or blow anybody out of the blow anybody out of the water. Excuse me. Only averaged nine and four. But you know, in college, I mean, the, the minutes kind of when you have a team like Florida State who's pretty deep, uh, you don't you don't get too much time to to shine unless you're the um, quote unquote star there. But they take more of a, a team approach there. Uh, the other name uh, that I think was surprising, this will be the last one I bring up before um, I move off this topic or we move off this topic, is uh, Jalen Smith, the power forward center out of Maryland. Um, he, he spent some time in the college ranks, and a lot of this is just based off of his, his skill set and what he has as a power forward. It's kind of playing that new stretch the floor of you can't shoot the three, you know, you're going to drop a little bit, but they have them uh, projected as a lottery pick here. So that's it for the players, the teams. I'm obviously excited for the Spurs. The Spurs, this is the first time they've been in the lottery since like 1997 or something like that. So I, for one, I'm just hoping that we draft a guy that's going to be a contributor and not somebody that's overseas for a few years like we're um, like we like to do and like we've done in previous years and that's because the spurs have been doing work with the picks that they've had which are usually later off in the first round yeah. I mean, look at Derek white and i love Derek white um the the other dude out of michigan state that joby was comparing to Harden, y'all drafted him pretty late as well uh, actually keldon he's a kentucky yeah, product yeah yeah but he was like, a, he was like pick 20 something wasn't he uh keldon i think he might have been drafted in the second round yeah, so I mean, the Spurs are finding talent in the second round. Imagine what they're going to do with a, a top 14 pick. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited about that, despite the fact of what we just said about this draft class not being as solid as we've seen in previous years. But is there a team, I know you mentioned the Warriors, is there anybody else that you're looking out for um, in this lottery? I know y your team's consistently been in the playoffs, so you don't pay much attention to tonight. And, but And we trade away all our picks, too. Yeah, true, so... <laughs> Is there anything uh, that you're looking forward to? I mean, I, I always want to see what the Knicks, what's going to happen with the Knicks on, on lottery night, bro, because somehow they always get the bad bounce, bro. They always get the bad bounce. They ended up with a three spot last year, right? And that's how yeah. they ended up so with So they could have had John Morant or Zion, and, but they ended up with RJ. And, like, man, I'm a dookie, but RJ, RJ Barrett ain't it. And yeah, then the year before, they took Kevin Knox out of Kentucky. Instead of Michael Porter? Yeah, or, like, it's like, nah, bro. I mean, they always find a way, bro. And then the year before that, they took that point guard out of... Brighton and Lentica? That was the craziest one of them I all. I mean, look, look at their drafts are just, like, bro. And, and Lentica, that was, that was Phil Jackson. You know that, that they... That was Phil Jackson right there. Yeah, that was him. 
That but was he, also, he drafted. He drafted KP. That's like the one good thing that he did, even but though he didn't last there. Mm-hmm. Sad that they couldn't. Man, they could have Michael Porter Jr., KP, John Morant. If the ball dropped, the, the yeah. ball bounces a little differently for them. The, the Knicks look completely different, but it is what it is. They're the New York Knickerbockers. Um, sticking with the, the NBA, and I, I guess uh, this is has playoff implications on it, but or it took place last year in the playoffs or the NBA Finals. Uh, there was new video that came out of the Raptors GM, uh, Masai Ujiri, um, getting harassed by the cop um, after the the Raptors defeated the Warriors in Oakland last year to win the championship. Yeah. Um, if you guys remember, there was a big deal made about uh, I'm gonna Ujiri uh, trying to enter the court, and, and it looked like he got into a shoving match with a cop, and then Kyle Lowry comes out of nowhere and kind of saves the day and is like, hey, he's with us, we're over here, takes him onto the court to celebrate. Like right. He should be able to, he's the GM of that team. N- new footage has come out and shown that it was completely unprovoked. He was actually reaching for his credential card, and then he got shoved, and then that's when the drama started. Right. So. But it wasn't it wasn't even much drama because he really didn't even react. He didn't push back in the video no, that he just, he just looked stunned. Like yeah, what's like, your problem? Oh, that, that was very uncalled for. So that that was weird, bro. Yeah, the, the GM of the team, the guy who put this team together, made the trade for Kawhi that was a rental for the year, but hey, it's a window. It's a window. Let's go for it. And then you accomplish it. You dethrone the Warriors. And you're trying to get on the court with the team and celebrate, and the security guard just denies you, bro. No, no questions asked, just shoves you. Um, he, he, I don't want to say flew back, but I mean he pushed him back a good amount, and it, then they kind of got into like a, a war of words or a shouting match um, mm-hmm. until Kyle Lowry came by and and you know escorted him but we saw that there was like charges being pressed on him that night and that's what i was the craziest part of this all is that the cop is the one that filed a suit against ujiri and said that he just assaulted him warrior stand that he got assaulted and that quote unquote he suffered injury to his body health strength activity and person all of which caused and continue to cause mr strickland great mental emotional psychological physical and nervous pain and suffering just going after the bag you bastard yeah there's more to come on this story because obviously this this came out as part of the defense uh for ujiri trying to get this case dismissed and i'm sure it's going to end up that's all you need to see yeah yeah that that's clear i mean it's clear as day it was unprovoked this guy had a hard on or had a stick up you know you know what and was just disres- played flat out disrespectful. No need it's to do that harsh. at all. Like I mean, I, I can, I honestly, I, I can't shoot this guy any bail whatsoever. I mean, I could, I can't understand it from any perspective. I mean, maybe if Yuzuri pushed him, you push back, whatever. But it's clear in the video that he was reaching for his credentials. I mean, maybe if Yuzuri was standoffish and was like, "I don't need to show shit to you," and tries to walk on or whatever, then you're like, "Hey, guy, you gotta stop." But that was not the case at all. He was complying. He was sh- sh- busting out the credentials, and he got shoved. So, yeah, hopefully this gets uh, resolved in court, and we don't have to report Quickly on this too. anymore. Quickly, too. Yeah, and, and that happened in the NBA Finals. 
Um, and recently, you know, we've we've had the the playoff start, and this will lead us into our uh, NBA playoff update. But one thing that we've all noticed, and I, I think it's been pretty apparent, is that the offenses in the bubble have just been flat out on fire. I feel like there's been a bunch of overs. There's been a bunch of chucking, not like chucking, but guys just shooting it from wherever. I know we just spent a couple of minutes talking about Dame, but he's not the only one that's been shooting from extended range. I've seen a bunch of guys just pulling up, like Lou Williams has been pulling from anywhere. Jason Tatum last night was having a three-point um a three-point clinic on the the 76ers the whole Celtics were really but the overall offensive play this year or not this year but in the bubble has been up so just to throw out some numbers in there the 22 teams in the bubble have averaged 113 points per 100 possessions um, in the bubble against 111 prior to the shutdown in March so offensive efficiency is up um, efficiency in the half court, which we all know can get kind of shoddy sometimes, uh, depending on how these teams play, has jumped up by almost four points. So uh, their average offensive efficiency in half court possessions before the bubble was 95. It's jumped up to about 99 in the bubble. Um, things that could be contributing to this, and I'll introduce these and, and let you give me your opinion on what you think is contributing the most to this, or if you, if you see any difference. Uh, fouls are up considerably. Um, defenses may have taken a little bit of time to adjust uh, because the uh, the shooting percentage, I guess, or the number of shots that have been taken that are considered uncontested are up slightly, which might lead you to believe that the defenses have, you know, suffering from possible, um, what's the word I'm looking for, endurance issues because of the layoff taking a little while to get their legs under them, which has also led to potentially more fouls. People have said that the refs have also needed more time to adjust to the, um, to the new bubble and to the way that, you know, there's no crowd and stuff like that. But, uh, free throw attempts are up by almost three per game. Um, even through, uh, through to the playoffs, uh, the last, um, seeding game having been played last week. So, you know, there's a couple of things that people are saying. There's no fans. Uh, there's a clear baseline. Uh, players are a little bit more confident driving to the rim and the depth perception. So do you think any of those things are playing into this? And do you think it's going to continue throughout the, the playoffs? Or do you think there's going to be some slowdown? A- absolutely. I think that the bubble's a complete different monster. It's you know, your role players and bench players, they don't play well on the road because on the road, the other the other crowd is is in their face and they're not used to it. And not everybody plays the way they're, they usually play at home. And here in the bubble, it's like Houston would have had the, the two home games against OKC. And now we got to go to OKC. And that's not an easy building to play in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very college atmosphere. A lot of people have compared it to due to it being their only sports team. But it now it's just another two games in the bubble. And like it's the guys straight that are, up game. The guys that are feeling themselves are just gonna be feeling themselves because nothing's gonna change. These virtual fans, nobody cares about the virtual fans. They're pumping some crowd noise, but like it's it's I think it's mainly for the viewing audience at home. Yeah. And, and the depth perception, one hundred percent, I think that plays a factor. Closer walls behind the the you have some experience shooting in an NBA court. You can yeah. speak from experience. Back in back in our back in my high school days, we played that one game at the at the AT and T Center for the Spurs, bro. And it's like you're you're shooting 
uh, two, and obviously the three-point line is further, but you're shooting into darkness because obviously the the top is empty and yeah. it's dark over there, so it, it's weird. And, so and how you off was your first short. shot? Oh, how short, off was your first for sure. <laughs> for sure, short. But, yeah, at, like at, when you play at – we also played at the Dodge Arena, and that's like where the Vipers played back in the day. But there it wasn't as big as, you know, the AT&T Center, so it wasn't as bad. But definitely with the depth perception, I mean, they're NBA players. They should probably be used to it. But like I said, the role players, they got to feel way more comfortable here, man. It's mm-hmm. I, I think that it's it's a big plus. As far as the fouls, usually referees tend to have a tighter whistle in the playoffs. And it seems like we've been seeing the opposite. Uh, teams getting into the bonus, like with seven, six minutes left in the quarter. Pretty annoying, pretty annoying. And like you said, it just, it it relates just to overs, 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 overs. Like rarely are teams not scoring 100. I think the the Thunder didn't do it in the first playoff game. The Lakers didn't do it in the first playoff. 93. Bombs. And I think Orlando's not going to score 100 tonight, but... Other than that, like, 100's a given. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. not that it wasn't in the regular season, but, like, it's guaranteed in these games now with with the fouls and just how comfortable everybody is. So, I definitely think that it plays a big part. The officiating, I think, will tighten up as it goes on with all uh, – obviously, it's not fans complaining. I think that would be worse, too, like – you know, the whole arena yeah, getting on you might, the, might you make, you, might make you a little bit tighter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. at the home or arena. favor one team. It's at the home. Exactly. So it, it's definitely different. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to get the other thing. We'll almost, every, almost every type of foul. Well, actually, every type of foul that you can call is up a percentage point or two. Um, shooting fouls, other personal fouls, loose balls, charges technicals are slightly up and i think a lot of it is because there is no crowd noise so the rest can really hear when you're you saying hear everything yeah. you, you're saying you know fuck that mumbling, call, so. like that. yeah exactly and you know i think they have uh, they have incorporated a delay because i really oh, haven't yeah. heard much yeah. on the court in, in terms of cussing like i thought i was going to hear uh prior to the bubble there's, so there's about a second or two delay because it gets muted and even like when a foul gets called, they make the call after the fouls. Like you can already see that they've called the foul, mm-hmm. but then the announcer will say it. So uh, the audio is definitely delayed. And we'll talk about it a little bit more. But I, since we're talking about fouls, and I know we're kind of moving on from the um, what was I going to say? The offenses in the bubble, and I, I think we've talked about the main points of why they're up, but. Do you think that foul on Christoph's Porzingis or that technical foul that they called on him the first or the second, and particularly the second one, do you think that the referee was a little too quick with his whistle? I get the fact that it was a second te- second technical, so you're automatically out of the game on right. that second right. tee no matter what. I they get didn't that. eject him because of what he did. They ejected exactly. him because it was his second one. It, his second technical for sure. For those of you guys who didn't watch, uh, KP, he got an early um, first quarter technical, I believe, for challenging a call. Um, and then later on in the game... I think it was early second half, early third quarter. There was a scrum where him and Mark, uh, Marcus, I always get the Morris twins confused. It was Morris and Luca. Yeah. Mar- Morris, Morris and Luca were going Luka. at it, and KP 
you know, as the, the post, the center of the team, came in and, and stuck his head in for the the MVP of the team and the, the point guard small forward that Luca is and got in Morris's face. Morris actually choked KP, but KP caught a technical because he wasn't initially involved in the scrum and he made himself a part of it. So he got the T. But I will bring up an example. I think Draymond Green, and I know he's not in the playoffs right now, he got a very, 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 very long leash these maybe last two playoffs, especially on one technical and not getting that second one and getting thrown out. So I just asked, do you think the, the ref should have been a little bit more lenient and not given him the second tee? The, the, Draymond is the, the cheat code to this um, just because, like, I don't know, I, the Warriors were good for TV, I guess, but he is the exception to this. But... Honestly, maybe I would. I don't agree so much with the first one because all he did was cuss the ref out. He thought, I mean, he had gotten a block on Paul George, but he did hit George's elbow before getting the ball. So the ref called a foul. He kind of cussed the ref out and the ref teed him up early, kind of to set the mood, set the tone, not the mood, right? Mm -hmm. But set the tone like, hey, you ain't going to be talking like that to us all game. It's barely the, it was like late first, early second, like, Chill. All right, bro. You, you're not even that tough. You got beat up outside of a club in, like, Europe or some shit. <laughs> Dude, they smashed a bottle on his head. A bottle on his head. What, how did they even get to his head, bro? He's a fucking unicorn. Like, what? Anyways, but then in that instance, how often is that not a double technical? Like, any time that that happens between two players, it's automatic they give it to both of them every single time. Every single time. And he even kind of like put hands on Morris. Not that it was like in a super like aggressive, aggressive way or that he punched him or anything, but he put hands on him and he came, like you said, from out of the play. Yeah, the play. I think that's what you gave like, it to him. You like to, you like to see him stick up for him, but maybe it should be somebody else besides the other star on the team. You know? And, and, and that's the, the main thing that I saw on Twitter is, do you think the ref should have, taken into consideration that a he's a star player on the team and b he's a pivotal player i mean you take kp out and the the mavericks are severely hampered by that that's on him do you leave him in he went and threw himself in listen it was his first playoff game of his career and he even admitted to that too it was he was excited he was excited it was game one he also had to set the tone you know, a lot of people argue they could have won that game one. They were kind of in control yeah, most of the way up until after that. And, I mean, we saw what happened in game two. Look, and, and their fans told me, you you want to see that. Yeah, you do, but it comes with consequences, man. And he already had one technical. If he didn't have any technicals and that was his first, it would have been perfectly fine. But you just got to be smarter than that if you're Porzingis. It, he's, it was his first playoff game. He'll learn. And it's 1-1, man. They're in good shape. So, yeah. No, I do the, think that it was the right call, though. I do. I do think that it was the right call because that's always a double technical. Yes, yes, the first one was weak, but that happened like a quarter or two ago. You know what I mean? So you you got to know as a player. That's true. That's true. And we're, you know we're going to talk more about this series later. Um, so we'll just leave it off uh, right there. And that was it, really, for the the NBA quick hitters as far as you know non playoff related. I know we got a little bit into the playoffs there, but uh, there's a lot more to talk about. So, NBA playoffs obviously got kicked off um, with the playing game on, I think it was Friday, Friday afternoon with the 
uh, Blazers playing their way into the eighth seed, uh, which led them to upsetting the Lakers in the first game of the playoffs, uh, the one versus the eight. And I think it was a, a pretty solid victory. I don't think it was fluky. I, I think they were the better team throughout the game. Um, and it really showed with the, the final victory, uh, the final score, 100 to 93 for the for the Lakers versus the Blazers, excuse me. And then the number two seed in the seven spot, they, we just got done talking about them. They were losing or they weren't in control of that game one uh, right. matchup against the, the seven seed Mavericks uh, before the KP ejection. They ended up eking that game out. I think it went to overtime, but then they ended up winning by a couple of I might have that wrong, but it was close throughout most of the game and they ended yeah. up pulling away. They uh, pulled away in the, the fourth. Yeah. Put the game away. Uh, then you fast forward to game two, uh, which they've already played, and the Mavericks had a pretty resounding victory um, in that game two uh, with KP playing the full game. Luka Doncic had another MVP-like performance. Um, so it just leads me to ask the question, uh, do, do we think that either of these higher-seeded teams, being the Lakers and the Clippers at the one and two, do we think any of these teams are in trouble? Um, if we think both of them are in trouble, who's in more trouble? And do we think either of these guys are at risk of losing their respective series? Ben, I'll let you kick this one off. The Well, I'll start off with the, with the Clippers because I think that their problem, like when they match up against the Lakers, is guarding that athletic stretch four, five type of guy. They're really struggling with Porzingis, man, like as far as guarding him. Montrez Harrell and even Zubak. They can't guard him. Um, Porzingis is hitting threes. Obviously, Luka's going to get his. He had 40 or 31, something like that, in, in game one. Yesterday, only 26. But, I mean, a game that they were in control of for the most part. He set out a lot of the fourth quarter. Um, and Seth Curry was actually running the show for a bit. They dominated game two. Game one was that whole ejection. You know, the, the Mavs were in control of that game up, up until that point. You know, we spoke on that earlier, but I don't know, man. I, I Kawhi Leonard isn't I, – I don't think Kawhi Leonard's going to be eliminated in the first round. Okay. So I, I did have the Blazers winning, I believe, in five. Maybe that's at jeopardy, but I still don't think that this is going to be a seven-game series. Although I'm pulling for the Blazers, my, my pick, my realistic pick is – that the Clippers will get it done within six games. Um, but I'm pulling for the Mavs. I definitely am pulling for the Mavs. I think that that'd be better for us. Um, and in the other one, the Lakers and, and the, and the Blazers, I mean, now the Lakers got to win four out of six. Um, you know, yeah, they can do it because they're the number one seed for a reason. They have LeBron James, I don't expect him to be eliminated in the first round either. The the problem for the Lakers, man, is the the bench and the shooting. It's they don't just, know how to shoot. It's listen, if if Alex Cur and I stress this, I'm the biggest Alex Caruso hater, bro, and I've been it for a while. But if he is playing 29, 30 minutes of game a game, I mean that that is and not he's a championship only, team. That's he's not only getting those. I, I agree. He's only getting those elevated minutes, though, because I think Avery Bradley decided not to go into the bubble, sure. and because Rajon Rondo is hurt right now, which I think he's working his way back. And Rajon Rondo might play tomorrow, but even then, he's not going to help their shooting percentages go up. That's yeah, something you know, that he's not going to help. 
They weren't yes, a good three-point shooting team coming into the bubble either. They were like towards the bottom half, and now they're dead last in the bubble in terms of three-point shooting percentage. So it's bad. I mean, they hit five, five last game. the The Blazers really didn't even play that well. Zach Collins didn't play in game one. Um, the Blazers had some success using that lineup of Nurkic and Whiteside both together with uh, Melo, uh, CJ, and Dame, or Melo, mm-hmm. Gary Trent, and Dame. And I thought that they had success in that. I was actually really surprised in how well Hassan Whiteside played. Um, five sure. blocks. He does jump at everything. I think that they should just pump fake him a little bit more because he does tend to find himself in foul trouble, always chasing that block. Um, but they definitely found something playing them two together to kind of combat that big lineup that the Lakers have that advantage, uh, that big advantage. With. Sure. So I think it's going to be interesting, man. It's a jump shooting team against uh, a, a more of a bully, brute, you know, scoring the paint team. And if the if the jumpers keep falling, the Blazers are going to win. The problem is, you know, are they going to fall for three games in a row? If they take a 2-0 lead, if they take a 2-0 lead, it's over. If they take a 2-0 lead, the Lakers will not come back. However, I do expect it to be 1-1 after night. I think it's going to, just to give you my thoughts, I thank you for that, Ben. Just to give you mine real quick, I think both of these teams, uh, they're they're not going to lose the first round series. Um, I see pretty big red flags in my eyes on both of these squads, which I'll get into right now. But just to give you my prediction, I think both of these series are going to go seven games. I I think they're both going to be stretched out. I think the Blazers have a really good chance of going up 2-0 to zero tonight. I don't think the Lakers have quite figured it out on offense. They don't know where they're getting their points from on the bench, like you mentioned. They have Alex Caruso uh, being their, their uh, sub-in in the fourth quarter when they need a change of pace. You know, hey, we need to bring this guy on. We need something. And then you see Alex Caruso getting subbed in. It's like, what the heck? Like, that's not the he, way he took, a championship. even took like a contender. three in the, in the final minute that was just. Yeah, but like, he just jacked it up. What what type of what type of positivity does that give you when you see like all right three minutes and the subbing is Alex it's Caruso, Caruso exactly that's what I was saying in the second quarter so he's cool he's cool but if we're really gonna be honest with it bro he cannot be playing thirty minutes he cannot no, and be he, playing he can't be counted on to be a main contributor on a championship 14, team 15 so minutes I completely and- agree. So hopefully once Rondo comes back, his minutes go down a little bit for the Lakers' sake because he is a hustle guy. But at the end of the day, you, you can't rely on him for points, and that's what the Lakers are struggling to get. He can play some decent defense, do whatever, provide some pressure, although I think Damon Lillard will have his way with him either way, get you some hustle plays, but that's about it. The Lakers, they need points right now. They need to find shooting. So he's not even I, like Delhi, Roland. Like if he was Delhi, it'd he's be on okay. that same. He's nah. on that same little playing field, but I would still go Delhi that year that he was with the the, the Cavs. Cavs. Those two years with the Cavs that he had a pretty big role. The one year yeah. that uh, no, that's Kyrie Irving went He's down. not even like if yeah. he was that okay, but it's not. He's not. Yeah, De- Delhi is still a little bit better than than Caruso. I'll give you that for sure. And then. Like I said, the, the shooting gives me pause for concern. So that's why I, I'm very – I'm not confident in the Lake. I'm so confident in the Lakers winning this series. I think it's going to go seven because ultimately I still think LeBron James is going to find a way to get it done. Game seven he would. He, he's just going to get it done. It's, unless something has changed, uh, I'm just going to go with history and LeBron James is going to find a way to get it done for this round. And usually it is he's found a way to get it done through at least the conference finals – or the finals. 
But let me tell you, I'm stopping with my confidence on the Lakers winning a series in this first round. I don't know if they win their second round matchup. I'm not very confident in that. I'm chomping at the bit, uh, baby. I'm chomping I'm not, at the bit. I'm not very confident in them winning their uh, second round matchup. So that's my big takeaway from this series is that I don't think the Lakers are a championship contender anymore just based on what I've seen so far. And I know a bunch of guys are calling out Anthony Davis right now. And rightfully so. I'm a big Anthony Davis backer. I think he's a top 10, top 15 player. But he's come up short kind of in time and time settling. again. when Settling. Yeah, just settling for jumpers. But, I mean, he's not really a true center at the end of the day. I mean, he always complained about playing the five in New Orleans. That's why they brought over Boogie. He's been adamant about not playing the five in L.A. That's why you have Dwight and JaVale McGee getting minutes. He wants to play that four. Because he's truly, he's not a real post presence. So I think that plays into smaller teams. Uh, it plays into the Rockets' favor. Uh, they're not going to have to worry about getting backed down in that second round. So that's where I'm at with the Lakers. The Clippers, I also think it's going to be a seven-game series. And while I think the Clippers are still my content or my pick to come out of the West, I would not be surprised in the slightest if the Mavericks ended up winning this series. I hope they do, man. One. Because Rick Carlisle, he's a top three, top five coach in this league. He never really gets talked about it, but he always has his teams ready to play, no matter what he has uh, to put out there. He gets the most out of J.J. Barea. I mean, he's consistently, I mean, J.J. Barea is a good player, don't get me wrong. But he's And Boban. Boban, he has game minutes. Finney Smith is is being a contributor for them. Hardaway Jr. looks like a new player. Uh, Trey Burke, exactly. They signed before the bubble in June, and he's a contributor because uh, who didn't show – who got hurt? Oh, man, Trey Burke replaced somebody. They were talking about it yesterday. I'm, I'm blanking out on it, but uh, that's one thing. Luka Doncic is a future MVP of this league, and I heard somebody talking about it on, on some talk show. I can't remember which one it was, but we're not getting the Luka Doncic that finished the bubble. We've had a three-, four-month layover. We're getting the Luka – that we're going to be playing in the 2020 the 2020 to 2021 season for next year. We're getting already a Luka 2.0 from this year. So I think we're seeing Luka ascending to that MVP level from where he was this year as an all-star newcomer onto the scene kind of a deal. And I think we're seeing that right now. So with that said, MVP caliber player to match the MVP caliber player and Kawhi Leonard on the other side. And then... The other thing that gives me pause for concern on the Clippers is Mr. Playoff P. Talked about him earlier. Self-proclaimed at that, because I don't remember anybody calling him Playoff P but himself. So self-proclaimed. And he already, I like to use this phrase, with an injury after somebody's had a a bad game. He kind of did the loser limp yesterday. Had a bad shooting game. And what happens? He shows up with some ice on his shoulder at the, the post-game conference. I, I don't like that one bit for my, my quote-unquote star or my um, deputy or whatever you want to call him, the, the second fiddle to Kawhi Leonard. It's not something good that I want to see. Maybe not so much for this round, but going on in the further rounds of the playoffs, it gives me a lot of pause for concern. Can we really count on Paul George to help out Kawhi Leonard when he needs it most? And that's so, because the, the Mavs really don't have anybody to guard him. Like, if Tim Hardaway and Finney Smith are checking you, 
Like, that's a problem. That is not playoff P. There's nothing playoff P about that. Um, and, all, I mean, bro, Paul George hasn't won a playoff series since 2014. Since 2014. That's six years. We're now in 2020. This is his third time in the playoffs with his third different team. Why did Kawhi go and seek out Paul George of all people? I don't know. I think probably because of the perception around Paul George as being a quality two-way player. Put the ball in the basket, ISO you, and he's also a pretty good perimeter defender for all intents and purposes. They're from um, the same all, area too, though, right? Or no? Yeah, they're both California boys. They're both California boys. Uh, Paul George played his ball at Fresno. Uh, Kawhi played at San Diego State, so they do have that relation. Um, but even I just brought up Paul George being a, a solid defender. Man, you and you brought it up too. The Clippers can't stay in front of anybody. And I know Patrick Beverly is hurt right now. He has a, a calf strain. So you got Reggie Jackson he's trying. He's out tomorrow you got, again. You got Reggie Jackson trying to play defense on Luka Doncic. They need to and start that's Luka all day. But but why doesn't Paul George just check Luka? Why does it have to be Reggie Jackson? Why can't he be guarding Tim Hardaway? I think that's what's going to have to happen. I mean, these teams make adjustments from game to game and. I mean, we saw it. The, the one uh, example that I always go to is when Derrick Rose was having his way with the the Heat or the Cavs. Uh, whenever Derrick Rose was on his was on his shit, you had to put LeBron on him. When Tony Parker was having his way with Miami, you put LeBron on him to to guard him in the last couple of possessions or whatever. I think we're going to see some adjustment of that. I think we're going to see some Paul George on Luca. We're going to see some Kawhi on Luca. We need to to see that to have a little bit more. Who's going to be on Porzingis? That's the problem. And you see, that's why I had the Clippers beating the Rockets in the Western Conference Finals. Because we don't have that. We don't have that Porzingis, that Anthony Davis body that really gives the Clippers problems due to Montrez Harrell being their big man that plays most of the minutes and him being about 6'8". So they match up really well with us. But, you know, if, if the Mavs are going to take them out, man, hey, let's go. I know the Rockets will make can make Porzingis settle for some long twos. And, hey, shit, we'll live with that, bro. Mm -hmm. We'll live with that. So I'm rooting for both of the underdogs, although I have both of the favorites winning. Um, so, so you yeah. still have them in six games each? Do you think anything gets stretched out to seven? I'll, I'll, I'll say that the Lakers and Blazers go seven just because Dame and the Blazers are really grooving. Um, they're like – they've been in playoff mode since they got to the bubble. For sure. Obviously, having to fight up until the last game um, for their for their spot in the playing game, and then winning the playing game, and I mean, even in the playing game, how how nice was it to see C.J. McCullough close out uh, the Grizzlies? I mean, he was cooking Jaw in the yeah, fourth yeah, quarter. He put Jaw to work. He uh, he said, "Hey, Dame, I got us, brother. We're gonna need you for that Laker game." And I mean, he cooked Jaw. They beat the Grizzlies in one. They had two shots. They beat them in the first one. And then they're just riding the wave into the Lakers series, bro. And yeah. they have the shooting. So I think in that series, um, like I said, they found something with Whiteside to kind of help the rebounding because I think it'd be Lakers with a bigger rebounding edge if they wouldn't be playing Whiteside and Nurkic together. But how much are the Blazers going to be able to win the three-point line by? Like if they're going to have a plus 20 edge at the three-point line every game – then they're going to be right in all of those games. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so, I think they have a good chance of doing it. because 
In the fourth quarter of game one, Melo hit a three, CJ hit a three, Dame hit a three, and Trent hit a three, bro. I mean, that's four guys that are viable to hit threes on you, and you're the Lakers, and you're looking for Kyle Kuzma to hit a three for you. It's mm-hmm. that that's where it evens out, man. And the, the math might the math might just put the Blazers over the top. But I think the key to that series is a three-point line. Yeah, because the, the Lakers still haven't found a good pairing for the, I guess their quote-unquote big three with Kuzma, AD, and LeBron. I saw they were running a lot with Danny Green and KCP, and both of those guys, I mean, KCP only scored one point. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> you can't have that. And I know you're trading offense for defense or defense for offense if you flip in JR on Dion, but... They got to find a way to score points. There's no excuse for not scoring 100 on the Blazers. What do you think about the people saying Kuzma should be starting? I think he should. I I think he should should be starting. You need to get him going earlier. If he's going to be your primary, your your third option after AD and LeBron James, you can't have him getting going in the second unit. You need him to get going in the first quarter, feel his shot. He builds his confidence throughout and the game. Not that he's lacking confidence, but it'll help him. Yeah, I'm going to disagree just because if he's not coming off the bench, what do they have off the bench? That's true, too. I, uh, that's why they got to use JR and Dion, I think. Get some keep, initiators keep, in there. Keep him in the game with either Braun or AD. Like, stagger them that way. Like, if you're going to have Braun sitting and AD in, make sure Kuzma's in. If AD's going to be sitting and Braun's going to be in, have Kuzma in. Like, late in the first quarter, one of them's going to check out, get Kuzma going there, ride it into the second quarter, but run plays for him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because right now he is their best shooter, and he actually has been shooting well. Like, he's been shooting shots. So th- Some are tough shots, like that game winner that he hit uh, was probably a little bit tougher than he made it seem, but he's hitting shots right now. He seems to be in some sort of zone. It would stretch the floor out a lot more if they put him in at the starting lineup with LeBron and AD at the same time instead of staggering him with either one of them. Mm-hmm. Then you just don't have shit off the bench, man. You have Dwight, Caruso, KCP off the bench. Like, Are, are they going to score 10 points combined? I think we see an adjustment tonight. I think we see JR and Dion get some more um, playing time just because I think LeBron's going to have Vogel's ear. I think he's going to be chomping and saying, hey, we need to score some points. And I think they're hearing it from everybody everywhere outside of the bubble calling so for more offense and calling for, for shots. Prediction game? Score. For, uh, I, I still got – I got the Blazers winning a shootout. Uh, I'm going to go Blazers 113. Uh Lakers 110. It's going to be a close game, but I still got the Blazers pulling it off. I'm just not confident in the Lakers scoring with the Blazers from what I've seen. And if the Lakers, um, I guess, route to victory is going to be trying to shut them down, I don't know that it's going to happen. I, I, I don't think they can. I don't I'll, think go they Lakers, I'll go Lakers 110, Blazers 106. Okay. So All I right. got the Lakers tying it up. But what, so, what, who else we got? And the the last one that I had on here, I I think it's just more uh, talking about what's going on with the team and where do we see them in the future is what the heck is going on or what has happened with the Philadelphia 76ers. Everybody knows they made the whole tanking thing uh, notorious and popular. Uh, 
you know, tanking for the number, the, one, the number one pick three years in a row, which I do think they messed up one of those by going Markel Fultz over Jason Tatum. Oh. Imagine that right now. If the Sixers had Jason Tatum to pair with uh, Joel Embiid, that would be a imagine, crazy combination. Imagine the Lakers with Tatum and mm-hmm. LeBron and AD. Mm-hmm. The way that Jason both Tatum is taking teams, off. Both of those teams messed up uh, taking Lonzo and Markel, but... Big time mess up, but neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, but we, we have you, the 76ers down two to zero to the Celtics. Think they get swept? I think it's going to be four to one. I, I think they're going to ha- Embiid's going to ha- get them at least one victory because I, I think it's been well documented. The Celtics just don't have any answer for him in the in the interior post. Uh, their interior post reminds me of. Uh, that movie Rebound, remember with the Martin Lawrence, where he's the basket, the middle school yeah. basketball coach, yeah, yeah, and they yeah. had that one tall guy who yeah, was their interior post. Yeah. And, and then when the other team found Let out that they didn't defend anything, like, <laughs> they're just like, keep on going inside every time, every time, every time. Uh, so I think Embiid's going to get them a game, but just watching the Sixers, man, like it's just so weird watching that team. You have Tobias Harris on a big contract. Uh, Al Horford is on a huge contract that they, they paid him to bring him over from the Celtics. Um, and it just hasn't worked out. And then you have their two superstars or stars Embiid and Simmons that they tanked for. And they're both pretty good players. I think we can both say that they're both all-star quality players, but they just can't seem to, to mix together. One does better when the other's off the court, the other does vice versa. They're, they're better without one another. They occupy somewhat some of the same space. The space, yeah, the spacing. But, you, I mean... Do you I blow think, it up after this? I think the first thing is the coach has got to go right away. I, I know people have, Brett Brown. Yeah. people have been calling for him since forever. Uh, originally, I had this, this series Celtics in six. And then when Hayward went out after game one, now he's going to be out for four weeks. I said, shit, now it's guaranteed to go six. But, I mean, Embiid had 30 and 10 in game two, and it's like, bro, y'all lost by 11. Mm -hmm. There's nobody. Al Horford scoring two points a game on that Tobias Harris with nine points a game. That's the thing. You blow it up, it's going to have to be Embiid or, or Simmons because the other guys just aren't trading chips. There's no value. Well, not the on the contract that, that Tobias Harris has. Exactly. Or Al Horford. Yeah, Al Horford's contract's horrible. For and it's like them. maybe Thibault you can throw in with some draft picks or something, but what is it really going to get you? You know what I mean? So yeah. they, they even made that switch and they started Thibault uh, in game two to got try and check. With Tatum. Yeah, to try and check Tatum. But, I mean, he got torched. And, honestly, that's the best option they have for Tatum. So Tatum's just going to be having his way for that series, it seems. But – Man, it, it might be four, it might be five now for the Celtics, but MB just doesn't have help there, man. Like R- Richardson, mm-hmm. uh, Shake Milton. Shake Milton, oh my God. He hit that big oh. shot against the Spurs, but other than that, it's, I mean, it's, I'll let it, him shoot all day. Yeah, bro, it, it's not good. And honestly, what big man is going to win you a series by himself? Like, Not anymore. I mean, you need perimeter help for sure, right. but I, I still do think you can win a championship with your center being your best player. But if um, my big I, man I is giving me thirty there. and ten, I, I can't be mad at, at a thirty and ten. Like no, no, I, it's I, not I can't his call fault. it empty just because the no, other guy is in. You know what I mean? It, so it, it's not. And, and Embiid, he affects the game on both sides of the court. He's a, a plus defender. He's a good shot blocker. 
he has every bag in the book or every uh yeah, I guess every bag in the book, or he has a deep bag on offense that he can go to every post move in the book, hit you with a jab step, hit you with a three-point shot. Um, I definitely would prefer Embiid to Simmons if I came down to what star oh, am I going to keep. Sure. I- I'm keeping Embiid. I think what? he can be your your main piece and For still sure. win a title. He For just sure. needs another perimeter help. But but what's the – what? What's the value on Simmons after leaving the bubble for a surgery? Honestly, like, as long as you can assure that it's not a long-term injury, I think the upside on Simmons, not really the upside, but he I came I think into the, the league with injuries. I think the value on Simmons is still there. He's gonna eventually garner a max contract, just based on you know where he's the perception of him in the league and and this and that. He's gonna be one of those guys that asks for a max contract. So I don't know if you give him one. Uh, with whatever team he ends up on, but I think you can trade him this offseason and and maybe get some good value for him. But I just don't see the the Simmons and Embiid pairing no, that's uh, not gonna work. working for a championship. Um, so just to, to end off the Sixers talk, do you think either of the stars that they have right now with Simmons and Embiid, do you think that a team can win a title with either one of them as the integral part in their team? Or as an integral part, maybe the one or the two, not necessarily the number one option. And I, somebody said that Embiid is a two. Embiid is a good number two. Like, he's a number two on a team. I still think that he could be a number one just with Same. a shooter. Just with a shooter as his number two. As far as Simmons, man, until he gets a jumper, I think that, like, that's just not the game for guards anymore. Like, you're just so far behind when teams have no respect for your jump shot. Embiid has a better shot than Simmons. So, like, give me the big man that can kind of stretch the floor um, mm-hmm. and can even put it on the floor at times. Yeah, it might not be as effective when Simmons is in the game because his guy's just standing at the free throw line waiting to help. So Simmons has got to go. I don't know what they yeah. could get for him, honestly. I don't know what what the move would be or who they would even be targeting, but you you yeah. got to keep Embiid. Embiid needs his Kobe. He needs his Kobe, just like Shaq needed Kobe to get some uh, pressure off his back. Embiid's the best big man in, in the league. So why, like, Agreed. how how are you going to trade him? Honestly, like, how are you going to trade him? And you know, it's just sad because the Sixers spent three to four years tanking. A guy lost his job, um, the GM, uh, before they brought in. I'm blanking out on the guy that they just brought in, but Eldon Brown. Brown. Yeah, exactly. He he's reaping the benefits, I guess, of the of the tanking, but. He locked so up all of the money. Not anything, bro. It's he all locked, falling on him. He, he locked up the money with um, the contracts to Tobias Horford Harris. and the contract to Tobias Harris. Oh my gosh, it's crazy that. Tob- and again, I like Tobias Harris. I think he's a good person. He's a, a good Instagram follow. But I just don't see him as a main contributor he's on the team. Three. He's a number he doesn't, three. He, he's not a plus three point shooter. He takes a lot of mid range shots. He can drive to the basket pretty good, but. Averaging nine points so far, or something like that, or whatever you were bringing up, that's inexcusable for a guy that's getting paid twenty five plus million a year. Um, but that's it. On, that's all that I w- really wanted to talk about with the Sixers. So just to wrap up the playoff talk, you know, we've already had multiple teams or multiple series go too deep in terms of the games. Uh, with the the Rockets getting their second game, um, the Heat getting their second game today to go up two zero each respectively. And I think the uh, Bucks are about to tie this series up at one to one. 
So yeah, they're, they're up 11 with five minutes left. So, in the so I'll ask you, Ben, do you have any changes to your uh, predictions prior to the bubble? I think you had the Clippers and the Raptors coming out, or did you have the Clippers and the Heat? I can't I remember. The heat. I had the Heat. Okay. And I had the Clippers and the Celtics coming out, um, which I kind of I flopped when we had Joby on uh, the podcast. I, after watching a couple of games in the bubble, I flipped my my pick to the Raptors. I think the Raptors are going to come out of the bubble, but I definitely think the top two teams in the East uh, right now, or at least from what I've seen, are, are the Celtics and the Raptors. I, I think both those teams are probably the, the playing the best ball. But the sad thing about that is they're going to eliminate one. Or, they're going <laughs> to play each other in the second round. So it's going to be Raptors and Celtics unless something crazy happens in each of the series. Uh, matching up in the second round, so I still I got the Raptors still coming out, going with their championship pedigree. I, I think they have more of a post presence uh, than the Celtics do, and I think they're going to end up winning that second round. And I'm going to stick with the Clippers, although I'm not very confident. I can see the the Mavericks beating them. That's why I say that that's going to be a seven game series. But I think the Terminator and Kawhi is going to come out, and he's going to take control of the series eventually. Yeah, well, I'm going to keep it the same from the East. I like what I've seen from, from the Heat. I know they're playing a banged-up uh, Indiana team, uh, missing um, Zabonis. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but uh, they're going to match up against the Bucks, and I don't like what I've seen from the Bucks. Um, I like I like what, what Miami has, so I like them to come out of the East. And in the West, I am going to switch my pick, man. I like what I've seen from my boys and I'm hoping that the Mavs are going to eliminate the Clippers, and I'm, I have the Rockets coming out of the West. I, I like I, the bubble. Okay. I, the bubble. No just, worry to the Russell Westbrook injury. You're not worried about that. Oh, he's he's going to be rested up for the Lakers. We're not even going to we're not even going to bring him off the shelf for the Thunder anymore. It's two zero. A Russ, rest up. We brought you over here for to take down the big dogs because Harden needs help against the big dogs, and you, you're going to be rested for that second round. Um, and like I said, if, if we match up with the Clippers, man, I still have to favor the Clippers just because they, they can small ball. They can small ball with us. If Montrez is at the five against P.J. Tucker or Covington or Jeff Green, whoever it may be, he's big enough to where he could dominate them with his energy and his just his activity and, and the dogs. He's a monster on the offensive boards. He he's is. a monster. And even Zubak has been playing decent, but defensively, the Clippers just look so damn lost, bro, that I don't know, man. I, I feel like the Rockets, if, if they're hit right now, I mean, we're doing work without Russ. Harden played like shit. We won by double digits. I think the, the no fans helps jump shooting teams, and we're a team that relies on jump shooting. So I'm changing my pick for the West, and i like the Rockets to come out and play the Heat. Okay. All right. I like that. I, I'm not calling you a homer. I'm not going to call you a homer either because I, I do think the, the Rockets have looked good. And depending on their second round matchup, they're going to get, going up against arguably two shaky teams um, in the Clippers and the Lakers, depending how they each uh, finish off the respective series. But just not to leave anybody out and not to, to miss on anything, uh, we've talked about the Bucks series, the Raptors series, the Celtics series, and the Heat series. 
Uh, so we've covered everything in the East, but the one series that we have not mentioned in the West, and we can just go over it real quickly because it's tied at one to one. And I think it's an interesting matchup. It's the the Nuggets and the Jazz. Um, who do you think is going to come out of that? I honestly, I hate the Jazz. I'm not a, a Utah Jazz fan at all. Uh, haven't liked them since Carl Malone and John Stockton. Sure. I was a Michael Jordan fan, so I've never liked the Jazz. Respect them, but never liked them. I think they're going to beat the Nuggets in you the do? series. Well, I they're getting they're Mike Conley back tomorrow. Supposedly, he's yeah. going to be playing tomorrow. Man, I couldn't believe Donovan Mitchell went for 54 in that game one. Honestly, I... And, like, look at that guy. I mean, he was, like, a number 11 pick or 12 yeah, pick. Yeah, he's a lottery crack. pick. Lottery pick. Lottery pick, but at the tail end, bro. So, like, there's hope when you're those teams that have 10 through 14 as well. You just got to find the right guy. But... And they still lost that game. We saw Jamal Murray and him put on a fucking clinic. That game was awesome. It was the first playoff game, right? It kicked mm-hmm. off the playoffs. It went into overtime. That was a great um, game. It was dope. Jamal Murray took over in overtime. Um, but, yeah, and game two without Conley, the Jazz battled back and tied it. I think – The the Nuggets are missing players, Morris and I, Will Barton. Gary Harris. Gary Harris, Harris and Will Barton as well are both injured yeah. guys that would be playing. They're usually a pretty deep team. Uh, Porter, if he's giving you offense, he's a plus. If he's not, he's got to be on the crazy. bench. Yeah, he's got to be on the bench because of his defense. But it's it's gonna be, man. I had the I had the Nuggets in six. And I think that I'll, I'll I'll go with the Nuggets in seven. I think that okay. these teams are going to be going back and forth. Um, I I think the Nuggets will win tomorrow, and it'll be two one Nuggets. But I think Nuggets in seven. I think two things here for me is you mentioned Jamal Murray. I still think he's a little inconsistent in the playoffs. He has one good game and then an off game. I don't think his game two matched his his game one or was even close. Not at all. Not at all. It was shades shades of the series versus the Spurs last year. And he's truly the engine that keeps the Nuggets going. He takes them over the top. If you get a good game from Jamal Murray and everything else is there, you're more than likely going to win your game. Um, he, but he hits he difficult in, shots, man. He hits he, he difficult loves shots. taking those shots. He loves taking those shots. Ever since he was at Kentucky, he would take those step backs, whatever. He has every shot in the book. But if he's but not second, on, but if he's exactly, not, if he's not he's on, not he has a, bad, of a He's not much of like. I don't think that he he lacks playmaking as far as setting people up. Yes. I believe that they rely on Jokic for that. And, and that's a little backwards because Jokic is your center, Jamal Murray is your, your point right. guard, but he's more of a shot creator, shot getter. And the second thing, and as much as this pains me to, to say, and this is just off of what I've watched, just my eyes, Rudy Gobert tips the scale a little bit for me. Just because he gives them so much, those layups that you make against most teams, you're not making them against the Jazz because Rudy Gobert is a great Defender. I know I talked crap about him. I love talking yeah. crap about him, but he's a, he's probably the best defensive center in the, the league. I don't think the there's any one, question about that. The game one, Jokic tried that little hook over Gobert, and it just he made him change the shot, and and it was uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and it it had no chance, bro. Like it was good defense, and all he did was have his arms up. So you're right, the guy's pretty cringe. But as far as a defensive player, I mean, hasn't he won a defensive player? Yeah, of the year yes. Ago? 
He has, undeservingly so, so. Another guy who was in that 2013 draft. He was in that 2013 draft. Number 21 or 22 pick overall. And did he did he, he came out of France, right? Just straight out yeah, of France? Straight okay, out of- okay. So he... Um, so Ben is sticking with the Nuggets, but he's pushing his prediction from six to seven games, and I'm going with the Jazz. Uh, I'm going to call it a seven-game series hey, also. But I, I will the say take. the Jazz did a damn good job tanking to not match up with the Rockets because they it knew that they, yeah. it worked out for them. It was clear that they did that, but it, it worked out for them. It worked out for them. All right. Gobert, well, hey, bro, Gobert got drafted by the Nuggets. Oh shit! How did how did that or how did he end up on the Jazz? As I said, I trade one pick before the Spurs. Damn, that's horrible. Don't don't bring that up. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the NBA talk for today. We talked about the, some little quick hitters, uh, the playoff update with the Lakers and Clippers. Well, we're gonna try and go live, hopefully for for some meaningful playoff game. Whether it maybe sometime Sunday, we'll see what's up. Hell yeah. All right. Well, Ben just picked the Rockets to win the championship. So doesn't get to get a while than that. <laughs> you don't want to say they're going to win it? Well, hold on. Let me see who they're going to be playing. Bro. <laughs> it's all, all right. about matchups, man. I'm not trying to be a homer. I'm trying to be realistic. Nothing. But I like what I've seen. And and I, I mean, who's going to argue that we haven't been impressive in the in the first two playoff games? Yeah, hey, an argument nobody can tell me nothing right now. So... Fuck it. Hey, let's save some for the second round. Let's save some for the second round. Hey, look, listen. I'm praying. Imagine, like, we're going to be hitting 23s a game, and the Lakers are going to be at five. Fam. Fam. And if if Anthony Davis is going to be settling, LeBron will be finishing at the rim a lot more. I will say that right now with Whiteside, like we said, Whiteside was big, but bro. Come on, bro. Ain't nobody going to guard Harden. If they can't guard Lillard, they're not going to guard Harden either. It's going to be the same thing. And one thing about the Thunder, the Thunder haven't been doubling Harden. Today they got Lou Dort back, and he actually did a pretty good job. Yeah Harden, Harden had, good yeah, Harden had a shitty game. Two two Arizona State Sun Devils going at it there. But, um, yeah, man, the playoffs are going to be – they're going to be interesting. They're going to be interesting. Well, one thing's for sure. We're going to keep on talking about it. For That's sure. for sure. Because we talk about sports. Well, unfortunately, the NFL preseason was canceled a couple of weeks ago uh, to avoid, you know, players contracting the coronavirus prior to the start of the NFL season. But these past few weeks, we've gotten a lot of NFL news in the way of, you know, training camp and what's been going on. Um, This is a, a podcast that's based out of Texas. So I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the Dallas Cowboys in this little update. And it's Typical cowboy news, uh, you know, players getting hyped um, after, you know, just a little preseason hype, uh, getting the the media train going. And this player, I laughed when I read the the headline, was uh, Alden Smith getting serious hype after a five-year layoff from the NFL. Quote, unquote, he's a monster. So (laughs) my, my first reaction to this is, I'm not putting any stock on any preseason hype, especially for a guy who's been absent from the NFL for not one year. Michael Vick was gone for two years in jail. He's been out for five years. 
for five years he hasn't played since I think uh, that short stint that he had with the Raiders, and then he got popped for marijuana or whatever it was. I can't remember with Alden Smith now. Yeah. There's been so many things with him. What do you think of this, Ben? Do you think this is just uh, nothing, nothing else I to talk about? It is a reaction to the big injury that you all had happen with Gerald McCoy going down, another defensive, another interior lineman uh, that was probably going to be a starter for the Cowboys, I would say, right? Yeah, he was going to be a starter. But I will say the Cowboys were planning on attacking the defensive line with depth. So they have a bunch of guys. They signed Dantari Poe. They drafted uh, that gentleman out of Oklahoma. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But they have depth. But what I'm saying is, like, one guy goes down, shit, time to hype up the next guy, somebody at next man up. True. This is what this seems like to me. It just seems like, okay, you know, let's not let's not all be sad and mourn the loss of Gerald McCoy, a guy who most Cowboys fans had high hopes for that defense True. Um, to clog up the running game and even get some sacks. But let's let's get them hype about Alden Smith. But fam, that ain't the guy to get people hyped up about. That's the guy who has let people down year after year due to personal reasons. You know, battles that he's fighting outside of the football field. So I, I don't like that they're putting pre- – it's putting pressure on Alden Smith. And I mm-hmm. think it's a guy who doesn't need pressure. He needs to be coming in, playing like it's house money because you got him on the on the low. And now there's expectations, like there's hype. He's a monster. Like, well, shit, what's going to happen if he doesn't play like a monster? How's he going to be feeling if he doesn't play like a monster? You know, so I, That's I, true. I don't – I see it as a reaction to the Gerald McCoy news, but they should have just picked a different guy, not the guy who's been out for five years and is trying to make a comeback in the league. Don't put the hype on that guy. And I will say, the Cowboys have a pension for signing these kind of guys. They they had Rolando McClain, who they scooped up from the Raiders, Greg Hardy, Pac-Man Jones, who actually kind of worked out for the Cowboys. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not putting too much stock into this. I, I want to see Alden Smith record a sack first before I start getting hyped about him. But definitely can see him as potentially being a third down rusher coming off the edge for you at the very least, playing one one down a series, third down, a passing down at that. So like third and, and longer, he's in there just rushing the quarterback. I can see that. But for this um, this article or this headline to come out the way that it it did no thank you. I'm I'm just not buying into it, especially for a guy that's been gone for five years. And Hopefully, maybe if that was preseason and like we were seeing, it would be like week two of true. preseason right now. So maybe if he had gotten a sack week one, yeah, all right, write the article, mm-hmm. but not just because because what? Because he's doing good in drills at practice without pads, without pads because they only have a certain amount of. Uh, practices with pads before the season like it, it's not it you know it's just to it. speak about what you said with the cowboys getting him on the low so they really did give him a low risk contract so he only gets paid for i'm saying only but in terms of relative to nfl contracts right he's he's getting paid four hundred and forty thousand if he gets cut before the season starts if he makes the final roster He'll earn another nine hundred and ten thousand in base salary, plus another forty thousand for every game that he plays, which is a total of sixty six hundred and fifty for all sixteen games, and plus some sack incentives. 
So he can earn up to two million if he reaches fourteen sacks. Damn. So yeah, it's very they low risk. They set the goals high. For they me. set the goals high. He gets five hundred thousand for eight, one million for ten, or one point five for two. So I, I think it's a, a low risk contract for the Cowboys, and it's a prove it contract for Alvin Smith. I'm surprised he even got the chance to, no, to do yeah, it. But, you're but, right. But but when you're walking around at, at his height and, and weight and you rush the passer the way that he did prior to leaving the league, you're always kind of going to get a chance until you've run out of them. But keeping it on the, the preseason hype train, this is one thing that's been talked about um, that's kind of been a negative possibly to the, um, the offense that has formed down in Tampa Bay. You know, the much talked about Tom Brady moving to Tampa, leaving New England. Pairing up with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, bringing back Rob Gronkowski. I think they got LaShawn McCoy to, yep. to go over recently. So yep. that offense is, is stacked. But the one negative that everybody has brought up is the perceived, and it's maybe not so much perceived because you can make the argument with statistics that Tom Brady hasn't been pushing the ball down the field. But they're saying, hey, is Tom Brady's arm strength going to be there to get it to all these weapons? Well, somebody has an answer, and it's none other than Rob Gronkowski. Rob Gronkowski, he's boys with Tom Brady, obviously. They've won multiple rings together. He's paved a Hall of Fame career with Tom Brady throwing it to him. Has come out and said that Tom Brady's arm has not fallen off at all, and that it's where it was at when he was playing with him in New England, and that NFL defenses should be scared. Are you buying into this? Or do you think that this is all just some more preseason hype to to get his guy confident? Not that Tom Brady needs any confidence. Uh, Tom Brady doesn't need it, but if anybody's going to stick up for him, it's going to be Gronk. I mean, shit, the other guys don't know. They haven't played a game with him, so I wouldn't expect Mike Evans just off of practice. Um, I, I think that it's a legit question. I don't have the answer. I think that in New England, he didn't have many players that he could push it down the field to. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not like Drew Brees, who has the, the the wide receivers and just can't get it there anymore. But Tom Brady had Cordell Patterson and like, what was that other uh, short receiver? He ended up with the Seahawks. Mm. Um, Dorsett. I, I- Philip Dorsett, yeah, yeah. Philip yeah, Dorsett. Dorsett. Yeah. But, like, those ain't the guys you're going to be throwing deep to, man. You need a, a bigger target to throw deep to. Even a Gronk. So I do think that it's all smoke from Gronk. He's got to stick up for his boy. But I'm eager to find out. Shit. He, so just he's got making threats. a prediction. Making a prediction. Do you think? I think, I think that he is going to get the ball. He is going to get the ball okay. to Mike Evans on, on deep balls and Chris Godwin on deep balls. I do. And, and you know. And you know Arians loves to push the ball down the field. He is the prototypical vertical um, vertical offense. He he likes to push the ball down the field, and and Tom Brady is going to be asked to do so. And, hey, I I still had Tom Brady in my top five, so I can't bail on him before the season got started. So I'm going to say that his arm strength is going to be there and that he's going to have a a pretty good year in, in 2020 or 2009. Yeah, 2020. So I don't think he's going to hold the offense back at all. Um, he has plenty of receivers to throw to, which leads us to our next uh, conversation, and sticking with the wide receiver position. Um, Des Bryant, another former Cowboy, um, throw up the X, one of my favorite Cowboy, and I'm biased. I'm already going to say Cow- it before I, I get into him. the topic. I liked him. I-, I loved Des Bryant, Lufkin, Texas, put up numbers at Lufkin High School. 
then went to Oklahoma State, put up some more numbers, and ended up being a first-round draft pick for the Cowboys. I believe he's their, he was the first wide receiver drafted in the first round since Michael Irvin, if I'm not mistaken, for the Cowboys. Yeah. So it was a pretty big deal when they drafted him. He, he's always in the media. He's one of those personalities that, you know, he has a, a perception around him that he, he can't be in a locker room, although if you he's ask any fans, teammates. Man. He's got fans. And he's got fans, too, that'll stick up for him and cape for him, like myself. So I don't buy into those uh, the media fodder that calls him a bad teammate. But nonetheless, he has battled, you know, his age. He's getting up there. He's already 32 years old in November, so he's 31 right now. And we all know the wide receiver position is probably the deepest in the NFL. Um, and he's coming off of an Achilles injury. He got he's, signed by the Saints last year before he even got to play a game, t- busted his Achilles, and he's been on the recovery ever since. I follow him on Instagram. He's constantly working out. He's constantly out there on the field running routes, trying to get better and sh- showcase his talents. He recently got a contract, or a uh, not a contract, but a tryout with the Ravens. A workout with the Ravens, and it is word that he's leaving the um, the workout without a contract. Now, the the Ravens they've been pretty adamant about trying to look for another piece, whether it's Antonio they, they Brown, AB, yeah, you're right, worked out AB, worked out Bryant, um, but both left without contract, or both are without contracts right now. Um, but since we're talking about Dez, do we think that? 2020 will be the year that Des Bryant steps back on the football field, if at all. Nah, I think Des is done. Des got to hang it up, man. I think that had he gotten to some playing time with the Saints, I think that he would have had a resurgence. I'm not saying he would have gotten a rowdy deal or anything, but I'm saying he would have been able to stick around because that was an offense that he could have done well in. It's unfortunate that he got the Achilles injury, and honestly – People don't really come back for that. And as a receiver, you got to be making quick cuts, quick feet. Like, he was never the quickest guy either. No, he was just never a, bigger, a burner. He was just a bigger guy. Um, but, yeah, man, it sucks for him. Uh, I like the dude, but honestly, I think that that he's his time in the NFL is done. Hey, do you think that it's Lamar that's asking for the yeah, Ravens to so. these guys out? I think so. I think a lot of this is a push from Lamar Jackson. And, That's what I mean, it seems like to me, too. There might be a push from him, but I also do think that management sees that they, they're probably one offensive piece away from being like complete. Like Right now, their number one receiver is either arguably Mark Andrews or uh, Marquise Brown. I, I, I would like to see them pair Brown and Andrews with another uh, really potential stud receiver. Willie Sneed, is he still there? Yeah, yeah okay. He, he's but, there. I mean, he's not the best guy either. So, yeah, the the, rece- the receiving core needs a little bit of help down in Baltimore. Um, so, hopefully, Des Bryant gets signed with the Ravens. I'm going to be on the opposite side of what you just said. I think he is going to play this year. I'm admitting that with a little bit of bias because, like I just said, he was my favorite Cowboy player when he got drafted. I still have his jersey in my closet. So, I, I can't deny any of that. But... I will say the one thing that works in Des Bryant's favor is the coronavirus and the fact <laughs> that uh, a lot of these teams are having trouble that seeing guys. In his favor, though. I think they're having trouble seeing guys, and they're going to be um, apt to stick with a, a quote-unquote known commodity. You know what Des Bryant can potentially bring you versus Roland. maybe bringing in somebody that hasn't proven it yet. Roland, real quick, 
Um, let's, I'm just going to read these as they come off. But with the 14th pick, the Boston Celtics, the 13th pick in the lottery, the New Orleans Pelicans, the 12th pick in the lottery, the Sacramento Kings, the 11th pick in the lottery, the San Antonio Spurs. Nice. Okay, so the, not top 10. But the not 10th pick in the lottery, the Phoenix Suns, the Bubble Suns with the 10th pick. Number nine pick, the Washington Wizards at okay. nine. And now they're kind of slowing down because they're getting closer to, like, top five. Damn it, boy. With the number eight pick, the Knicks, bro. Oh, my eight. God. Eight. The Knicks are stuck oh, in hell. They're, they're stuck in basketball hurts. hell. They're stuck they're in basketball hurts, hell. brother. With the number well, hopefully seven. they run through those... With the number oh, so seven pick, the, the Detroit Pistons. Okay. The so the Warriors still haven't been called yet. No. The Warriors are going to be top five for sure. I mean, they were the worst record. in the, the Atlanta Hawks at number six. Okay. Still another young guy that they could put with Capella and, and fucking uh, what the point guard. Trey Young. Yeah. Number five, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Jonathan Collins. Dan Gilbert getting number fifty. Mm -hmm. Man, the, the Cavs have been in the lottery like every year since LeBron left. Yeah, so like, now they, they, they did a little pause, bro, but I just wanted to just keep us updated. The yeah, Hornets, yeah, for sure. The Hornets are in. The Bulls are in. The Warriors are still in. The Timberwolves are still in. And I believe that that's it. Those are the last four. All right, well, update us when we get to the, the top three because I don't have it playing, but... Uh, we just talked about Dez trying out for the Ravens, and as you guys know, uh, the first couple of podcasts that we started off with, you know, the sports scene was pretty slow. There wasn't a lot going on. We were still uh, waiting for the decisions on the NBA, MLB seasons. So we started doing some schedule breakdowns for respective NFL teams. We covered teams like the Seahawks. We covered uh, the Texans. We covered the Packers. We covered the Broncos, to name a few. And we're going to pick it back up this week. Uh, not necessarily going through the schedule breakdown, uh, but we are going to introduce a team. Um, we're trying to knock out as many as we can before the start of the NFL season. Three so weeks. maybe next week we'll have two teams instead of one. But we decided to pick it back up this week, and we're sticking with none other than the Baltimore Ravens, who I think surprised a lot of people last year uh, with the record that they put out. They put out a 14-2 and record. They were dominating teams. They only had maybe one game that was decided, decided by three points or less. The rest of their victories were by six touch by six points or more. Um, they lost in back-to-back -back weeks. That fourth or week four was that matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs that everybody was waiting for. But after that, they won 12 in a row. Um, they made the the divisional round. They got that first round by, um, and then they got kind of dominated by the Titans. Uh, they really they did. didn't have an they didn't have an answer for Derrick Henry in that game and. Lamar Jackson get off the field. Bottled up. Yeah, yeah they, they, they get off the field. And that's the the infamous um, Earl Thomas game or no, Earl Thomas getting stiff armed oh, by Derrick Henry God. and becoming a meme. Turned him into um, a lead block. Mm-hmm. So I mean, with the Baltimore Ravens, what you have here is a team that went 14 and two last year. They have the the MVP. Uh, Ben's number two quarterback in the league right now, Lamar Jackson, and he's in a lot of people's and top five. The players actually voted, and he was actually number one for the players. 
Yeah, that's all. The players did the rankings, so. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, I was kind of, kind of. Yeah, well, you're, you're on. Then again, you're Russell trying. Wilson was two, and Patrick Mahomes was four, which was a little weird. Mm-hmm. Like. I don't know. You know, the, the, even in the NBA, the players tend to vote for MVP, and it's usually different than what the media gives. But that was interesting that the players yeah, said the Marlins were one. I was surprised uh, Mahomes wasn't the number one player in the league uh, sure. as voted on by the players. But I can see the argument for Lamar Jackson because he he's just running back and a quarterback. I mean, you're Thanks getting 1,000-plus so. yards from him as a runner, and you're getting 3,000-plus as a quarterback, so the highlight reel uh, doesn't get better than Lamar. It, yeah, exactly. So, uh, props to Lamar Jackson. You you have a team that has a stacked roster. They got better in the off season with signings like Calais Campbell. They got Derek Wolf, uh, both on the defensive line. Uh, they shored up the offensive line with DJ Fluker, and then they arguably had one of the better drafts in the the um, the league this year. They started off by drafting uh, Patrick Queen out of uh, LSU, LSU linebacker, can't go wrong there. Nope. And then my favorite pick uh, from them was uh, J.K. Dobbins in the second round uh, as a running back. So they're going to pair him with Mark Ingram. That's going to be a nice little pairing. Hell yeah. Uh, uh, they drafted a DT out of A&M, Justin Madubuki. I can't pronounce his name properly. And then their uh, receiving core, even though we were just talking about it, needing maybe another push. They're still looking. They're still they, looking. They they drafted Devin Duvernay, and I know you're a big Duvernay guy because you're you're a Texas, Texas. fan. Yeah. They got him in the third round, and he's a burner. So I yeah. like him to take the top off of a defense out of the slot position. I think that they need a big target though. That's what they're lacking is like a mm-hmm. big you know number one, like a guy that you can just go to for that first down on third and five, whatever it may be. Doesn't have to be a drag route or a slant like all the other guys like. Sure. You know, just a guy that you can go to. But at least they know that they need that and they're actively looking for it. Whether yep. it's working out AB, whether it's working out Dez, whoever it may be. That's all you can ask for your team. I mean, if, if they see the problem as well, like, hey, at least they're not they're, satisfied. They're actively trying to get better, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, they really didn't have a lot of losses in the offseason. Uh, they lost Michael Pierce, uh, Seth Roberts, who's a receiver for them. They did lose Tony Jefferson, who's a pretty good safety as well as uh, Brandon Carr, which I'm surprised he's still in the league, but seems to be getting contract after contract. So shout out to Brandon Carr. I don't know where he ended up, but he's not on the team anymore. Their over-under, as set by Las Vegas, is at 11.5 this year. That's a pretty steep number. Um, Their uh, regular season games are highlighted by Week 2 matchup against the Texans, uh, Week 3 matchup versus the Chiefs. Um, Let's see what else here sticks out to me. Uh, they play the Patriots in Week Ten. They play the Cowboys division, so and I mean, they play the the Cowboys in Week Thirteen. Um, so th- those are some pretty high uh, high level matchups for them. I personally and that, think, that Titans rematch. Oh shit! Let me see where is that? Right before the Steelers. That that's a tough little stretch. Oh, yeah. Patriots, Titans, Steelers, Cowboys. I, I don't know if they're going to get to eleven and a half. Um, just looking at their schedule, I, I have them slotted anywhere from 10 to 12 games. I just think they have a strong roster. They didn't lose much. They arguably got better. And what happens if Lamar Jackson takes another step and becomes a, a, a more refined passer? I, I think he surprised a lot of people. But there was also the, the thing that people were throwing out there. The detractors were saying that, hey, 
he was throwing the ball to wide open guys. Like he was hitting guys that didn't have for sure. a defender around him for five yards. You yeah. know, let's see what happens when he has to, you know, put the tight window is he capable of doing that so lamar jackson you, he's your boy you had him at number two yeah how do you think he's going to lead this team I'm, this year I'm, I'm gonna go over i mean he he plays the that giants cowboys eagles and redskins division that's four wins just off the oh there buddy come Whoa. on bro I, what do you see versus you the cowboys is a toss-up it's Come on, bro. Awesome. I'm not even. I'm not even giving us the game against the Ravens. Like, I'm not giving anybody that game. I'm just saying it's a toss-up. But the thing, like, they play the Bengals twice. They play the Giants, the Redskins. That they're gonna go Washington football team. Washington football team. Yeah, the Washington football (laughs) team. Honestly, though, they only got better, though, man. They they shirt up the defense. Like we, like you said, they didn't lose much. Lamar has another year. The thing is, there is another year of tape out on him, a full year of tape. Um, teams are definitely going to be scheme- – like, they were already scheming against Lamar, but now they're obviously tried something, and they're going to have to switch it up and try different things. Their division games with the Steelers are always tough. I know the Browns The Browns beat them down last year actually once uh, pretty good early in the season. So I still have them getting – 11, 12 wins for sure. You said the number was 10 and a half? 11 and a half. Oh, 11 and a half. Uh, out of 11 and a half. I'm going to go over because I have them having a first round buy. If they're going to have a first round buy, they're going to need over 11 and a half wins. Um, okay. So I, I got the Ravens going over 11 and a half. Just because I'm not a fan of the number, I'm going to go with the under. I think I'm going to have them slot, like I said, anywhere from 10 to 12 games. Uh, and the reason why I'm conf- I'm so kind of confident in them getting to the 11 and maybe the 12th win is the fact that I don't see where the regression comes for this team unless Lamar Jackson takes a step back. Right. And I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to continue progressing. So, yeah, I think this guy's the limit for this team. And I'm going to go out on a limb here, even though I don't have them getting to the, the over. And it's just more for the math and the number there at the 11 and a half that I'm not confident in taking. They're gonna. They're my Super Bowl representative from the AFC. I, I think they're gonna get through the AFC. What what uh, what am, what amount of wins do you think it takes to get the bye? Now they're only being one. That's true. It's gonna have to be no less than twelve because I don't see right? the Chiefs going any less than twelve and four this year. Yeah. So, um, but I'm, I'm gonna go with the, the Ravens because I think their defense is gonna tip the scale in that matchup against the Chiefs this year. All right. And so that really wraps up the, the Baltimore Ravens talk. I just wanted to introduce them, um, talk about some of their uh, key additions, key losses, as well as introduce the Vegas win total because we, we always like to keep track of that. And if we uh, place a personal bet. The measuring for, stick. Yeah, the measuring stick for their, I guess, their quarter potential or, or what we are thinking for them, expectations for them this year is kind of set on that number. So pretty high mark to get to. Uh, a lot of um, expectations to fill, considering the fact that they did go 14 and two last year. But hey, we're already past to that point with this Baltimore Ravens team. The true growth that we're going to see from them is in the playoffs, and, sure. and that's where it needs to come. Uh, the, you can't have that performance against the Titans, where they came out and said that they really weren't taking them seriously, or they thought they had it in the bag. I know Lamar Jackson came out and said something to that effect. So uh, they're yeah, going to we- be a year older. 
with one game, that's crazy. Like with one with one game, you know, winner, you know, loser go home. Like that's wild. If it was a series, I could understand that. But in a one game, you know, loser go home, that's a wild, wild attitude to take into a game. I know you had the first round by. You were cruising. The Titans weren't the best, but damn, to not even take them serious. And it's one game before the AFC title game. You have never won a playoff game before. You know, that's not really what you want to hear. But, hey, they'll learn from that because exactly. they were the butt of a lot of people's jokes last year in the playoffs. Exactly. So I'll give them the, the benefit of the doubt on that one and say that they were, you know, a young team in that position for the first time. Although they have some veterans on that team that shouldn't have allowed that. But I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt anyways because I like Harbaugh as well. Super Bowl caliber coach. So, yeah, give me the Baltimore Ravens to, to make the Super Bowl out of the AFC. Um, and that wraps up the, the NFL talk for this week. Next week, um, I do want to introduce the, the Dallas Cowboys. I know we talked about them a little bit, but I do want to spend some time on them next week. So be on the lookout for that. And we might have a special to, guest. Just to finish off the lottery, the Bulls got the number four pick. The Hornets got the number three pick. The Warriors got the number two pick. And the Timberwolves got the number one pick. So, Damn, I don't even know what the Timberwolves are going to do with that yeah. pick. I mean, they, they have some potential. Lamelo, Lamelo, and and uh, D'Angelo Russell, D'Angelo Russell with Cat. They're not going to draft another big man to go with Cat. So the big guy is out of the question. So you think it's going to be one of the guards, R.J. Hampton, Lamelo Ball, Anthony Edwards um, out of Georgia? Any one of those guys might yeah. go. I mean, uh, number one, but I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to end up on. Uh, the Timberwolves team, but although it, things might change for them, because I know that team is up for sale. I know Kevin Garnett is, is uh, that the face of a group that's trying to purchase the team. So who knows what happens to the the Timberwolves in the the near future? But yeah, uh, thanks for that, Ben. Appreciate that. Keeping yeah. us updated with the with the lottery Watch and bombs live podcast for you cool <laughs> without cable and for that. Don't yeah, in case up. any of you guys didn't watch the the lottery going on tonight, you'll get that update uh, with this podcast. So yeah, that's it for the NFL though. And be, like I said, be on the lookout for a, a special guest and, and maybe some Cowboys talk um, next, week. next week. For sure. All right, man. Well, let's let's finish off let's finish off the podcast with some MMA talk. Um, oh, yeah. Had, like we said, we had that big pay per view uh, last week. Uh, the DC retirement fight seems like he's followed through with it afterwards, even though taking the loss. Um, to me, pretty odd for a guy as competitive as him to retire off back-to-back losses. Usually you want to ride off into the sunset on a win. Sure. Um, to leave after two losses is pretty weird, but he said he only fights for belts off of two losses. You're not going to get a title fight so that he's done. And I mean, I think that's pretty cool that he knows when to walk away and that he can walk away as to where a lot of fighters are pushing it. But, you know, I had DC winning for our contest, but I couldn't argue with the scorecards, man. I thought that he pretty much got – he. I thought he won two rounds, not just one, but Stipe was definitely the winner of that fight. What did you think? I, I agree uh, 100% on both points. I, I do think it's a little weird uh, that he is retiring off of uh, back-to-back fights, but if you remember when he first brought up retirement, that was supposed to happen months ago. The right. retirement kind of got pushed back a little bit, so – I'm not that surprised because DC seems like he, he's a guy that's a man of his word. If he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And like you said, he only fights for belts. And you don't get championship fights um, after losing twice in a row. I could have seen him sticking around because there was a rumor that 
the winner of this fight was going to be quote unquote awarded a John Jones fight, which we might talk about a little bit later. Uh, but now that that incentive is not there for him, DC has his future set out for him no matter what. Like he has the best MMA podcast with Ariel Hawani. He's one of the, my favorite color commentators uh, for the UFC um, and their pay-per-views. And he also does an ESPN detail for the MMA. So he's set, and he's a and he high coaches. school coach. Yeah, yeah exactly. He's, he's completely set. His legacy in the sport is set. Um, Olympic medalist. Was he a bronze or a gold medalist? Yeah, um, bronze. I can't bronze. remember. Bronze medalist. Uh, champ champ no matter what you have to say about how he got it he got it and you can't take that away from his legacy so um put him he's the first ballot hall of famer for me no doubt yeah i think that this this year i believe it's a gsp going into the hall of fame he's the one headlining the the ballot and i believe that next year in 2021 it'll be dc but hey man on the other side of the coin steve miocic the most dominant heavyweight of all time bro does it again Underdog, no underdog again. Underdog again, and the dude just fights through adversity and gets it done. It looks like he's got a fight with Naganu, the rematch, uh, lined up next. Uh, we know that supposedly Naganu wasn't training uh, before the first fight because he was just knocking everybody out. He thought he was going to do the same thing to Stipe. Um, it's going to be interesting. I know I've been saying that Naganu is the next uh, heavyweight yeah, yeah. champion. I still do believe that. Um, and one thing that I will say about the fight is DC's belly was too big, man. Like the one takedown that he did get, he couldn't even transition because his stomach was just like he was just it, would, it separated him so much with his little ass arms. Was big his man big ass, yeah. And and uh, Stipe came in looking in like phenomenal shape mm-hmm. in the 230s, which was crazy. And it seemed to benefit him later in the in that fight. So, hats off to Stipe. I hope that he fights Naganu uh, before the end of the year. And once Naganu gets that belt, I think that they're going to give John Jones that title fight before they give Stipe the Naganu, uh, you know, third fight. So that's that's what I'm I'm looking ahead to as far as the heavyweight division. Um, in the other fight, the co-main event, the Sugar Show. The sugar shell took a halt. Yep. Yeah. The hype train was halted, um, derailed off the tracks, whatever you want to call it. And he wasn't too happy about it after. I saw one of his podcast clips today where he just sounded sour as fuck, bro. Like not a good look. Not a good look. Not a good look. And I mean, bro, like the guy hits you with one kick in the calf and your whole leg turned off. And I'm like, get in the weight room. I mean, I don't know. He, he uh, O'Malley did pop. Uh, he, we know that he sat out a little bit over a year yeah. due to a USADA suspension. But I mean, <clears throat> this is the second time it happens to him in a fight. Exact same thing. So, look, I don't want to call the guy frail because he's a UFC fighter and I'm not. But obviously, that seems to be a problem. And I wouldn't call it lucky when, I mean, it's the second time it happens in three fights. Um, I I picked Cheeto for our contest. I've been a big fan of his. Um, I'm happy that he was the one to derail this train. I feel like now he's more of a uh, a name. People at least know who he is because they, they were watching for O'Malley 
but they saw uh, Cheetah win. Might have rubbed some people the wrong way with the celebration afterwards. I thought it was warranted just on just because of how much shit O'Malley was talking. Yeah, O'Malley was talking a lot of shit before the fight. Yeah, so, I mean, I was happy with that outcome, but what, what did you think of the fight? Who did you have winning? I had Sean O'Malley winning. I, I'm fairly impressed with his striking acumen. I think he's one of the better strikers in the division. I think his length gives a lot of people a lot of trouble. But at the same time, I'm also not on the side um, that I'm going to detract from Cheeto Vera and, and him getting that victory um, over Sean O'Malley. I think it was a well-deserved victory, especially for all of the crap that Sean O'Malley was talking before the yeah. fight. And the one thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way and whether or not Sean O'Malley was right, but he came out on the Ariel Hawani show coming out and saying that Cheeto Vera should be thanking him for this opportunity, that he would not even be in a co-main of a pay-per-view fight if he wasn't fighting Sean O'Malley. And he followed it up after the loss saying, calling him a journeyman. And calling him this and that and saying that, oh, he's going to win one, lose one. I'm going to be a champion, this and that. Well, look, man, you can still have that confidence. I'm glad you have that confidence. But the fact of the matter is Chito Vera was arguably your first true litmus test or barometer test to see where you're at truly. And whether or not you want to say you got injured and it was a fluke, you didn't pass the test, my friend. You would have passed the test if you won the fight. Whether or not it was a uh, a quick stoppage, which I'm on the side of, I do think it was a little bit of a quick stoppage. But, but he was done though. Like, what to was Herb's, he gonna do? Exactly to Herb's point and to Herb's side is O'Malley was pretty much done at that point. His leg was shot and he was in a compromised position. But I don't think he was out or anything. I think oh, he was no, still no, protecting no. himself. Um, so that's where the argument comes in for the short stoppage. But but that's Roland. That's where you give the young guy. I mean, you saved some. You saved True. some years you saved some of, of his career, yeah, yeah. bro. For like, sure. You, 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 I wanted the ref to stop it just when I saw his ankle kept rolling and rolling because his leg was like dead. He couldn't control it, and mm -hmm. it's like, hey, bro, you can't fight like that. And Chito even noticed it, and it was like, yeah, what's up? What's up? You know, we're gonna stay to standing. Him, man. I'm not on the side of people getting mad at him for the victory. I think the people who were getting mad at him were all O'Malley stands. And O'Malley's a guy that he's either going to rub you the complete right way and you're going to be a diehard fan for him because of his bravado, the way he carries himself, he colors his hair, he's a, a weed smoker, he's all of these things that um, are attractive to the general public. Everybody loves him. But on the other side of things... I mean, there's a, I can find a lot of people that don't like him either as well. And it's just it's a hit or miss with Sean O'Malley and his his attitude. I had a friend or we both had a friend who was saying that, hey, that's just his championship mindset. He's that type of guy that thinks like that all the time. But you also have to learn when to take your lickings and say, hey, I just got beat out there. But and it's, it's all, like you, everybody can learn from McGregor, man, because he's the guy that talks the most shit. But after his losses... I mean, aside from the Khabib one, I would say that he's been pretty humble in his defeats. Whether it was to Diaz, he said, hey, you know what? He got me, but we're going to do it again or whatever. But for O'Malley to go out like this saying, oh, Chito, he, he was acting like he just won the lottery. Well, maybe he did, bro, because you were Dana's golden ticket. And True. he just fucked True. up your ride. Like, I mean, you can't be giving a guy shit like that. This dude started off his career one and two. Now he has the most finishes in that division. Like, you can call him a journeyman, but, I mean, now he's in the rankings. He didn't just last one week in the rankings like O'Malley did. 
because Chito took his spot right after he beat him. So mm -hmm. show, show some respect. I don't think O'Malley's a championship fighter. I do think that he's a top 15 fighter. But like I said, man, he's got to get, he's got to get like no homo thicker. He's got to get some girth on him, bro. Because if one kick is going to shut you off like that, and it's the second time it happens in three fights, like that, I mean, you, you might not be built for it. And I don't want to say that because he's willingly going in there. But if that's all it takes to put you out, like, fuck, it ain't going to be that tough when you're fighting mm -hmm. the top, top of that division. Is what I'll say. For sure. So, and the only other thing that I'll touch up on in that fight was Marab fought Dodson, uh, the machine, and he pretty much handled him. Uh, not too, too many takedowns, but, and even when he did take him down, he wasn't able to keep him down. But uh, Sarah Longo, I mean, with Aljamain and Weidman and all those guys, they keep their little streak going. Um, they keep winning. So, but that pretty much wraps up last week's card. Oh, Dariush was Dariush on that card, or was that prior? Um, I think it was prior. Dariush, he took out. Um, I, I was on the other side of that because it's a nickname. Hot sauce. Hot sauce or something. Well, was, yeah. it wasn't this past podcast then? I yeah. guess. Okay. Well then, yeah. And um, other news that we had was John Bones Jones relinquished his light heavyweight championship belt. It's official. Said you, know, said, you know what? I've beaten everybody in this division except for John Blockovitz. I know nobody knows who John Blockovitz is, and I'm not going to explain who John Blockovitz is. So John Jones is leaving the light, light heavyweight division and going to the heavyweight division. He announced this a day or two after the loss, uh, DC's loss to Stipe. Perfect timing. Um, <laughs> yeah, perfect timing. Exactly. Kind of to steal the spotlight. Um, I think that he's just going to get the winner of Stipe and Nagano. I don't think that they're going to skip him ahead of Nagano. He said he's got to be putting some weight on. So he'll put some weight on, and then we'll see that fight happen. But I think it's going to be Naganu against Jones. And, man, he better be ready to wrestle because Naganu will put his lights out if they stand. So, did, well, first, I just want to ask you, do you think there's any uh, weight behind what Dominic Reyes was saying uh, these past few days that John Bones Jones is leaving – as a smart decision because he's scared of the division, the light heavyweights and what's happened to him in the last two fights against himself and Tiago Santos. Do you think he's just saying that? Or do you think uh, there's some, there's some weight behind that? Cause I, 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 I mean, maybe he believes that maybe Dominic Reyes believes that he's a pretty corny dude. He's a corn he ball. Is corny. Yeah. I could see him believing that. But if we just look at John Jones track records and rematches, he finishes guys. He yeah, finished DC in the rematch. He finished Alexander Gustafson in the rematch. Like, rematches don't go well for John Jones' opponents. And, and to call John Jones scared of the division, I think, is crazy because he, other than John Vlachowicz, he has fought and defeated everybody um, in that division, and pretty, pretty resoundingly so. I mean, you can make the argument that Dominic Reyes could have won that last fight, but as we all know, if it's a toss-up fight, it's more than likely going to go to the champion. And, I mean... John, whether that's right or wrong, all I'm saying is John Jones has done everything that he can in the light heavyweight division. I'm not saying this as a John Jones stan. I'm just saying this as a fan of MMA and just looking at it. He's cleared out everybody. He's fought all the big names. He's made it clear over the past few months that, for lack of better words or phrases, he is money hungry. He is looking after 
that those big fights. He wants those headliners. He wants to be earning five to ten million a fight from now on. And the only way that you do that, I think, is in the heavyweight division. It's something new, something that people haven't seen before. Going up against bigger guys, stronger guys. Um, but I, I think John Jones is gonna he's gonna end the year twenty twenty one as a the heavyweight champion. I think he's gonna he's gonna add that to his uh, to his resume, and he's probably going to go down as the greatest and combat fighter of all time. Let's see if he can. Uh, and if he does win it, I hope he can defend it a couple times. Because I mean, DC won it, but he defended it once and lost it. Like Steve yeah. defended it four times, and that wasn't most of any heavyweight. Now five. So I hope that John Jones, if he does win the heavyweight title, I hope that he can have a run at heavyweight. You know what I mean? So do you think he fights before a championship fight, or he's waiting on Naganu and Stipe to, to finish up? Transitioning, I don't think that he does because top five guys just got booked. Derek Lewis against Curtis and, Blades. The fight that yeah. we were saying was going to get booked, that ended up getting booked. So that takes off those top, two top five guys. Then you got Stipe and Naganu fighting each other. That's two uh, two more of the top five guys. That's four already gone. I don't even know who the fifth guy is, but there's nobody there for John Jones to fight. He has to be fighting for a title or else if he loses, the allure is gone. He'll never fight for the heavyweight title. Yeah, Maybe I'm, not I'm, never, but the, it would have to be a climb. I, I think it's deservingly so, too. I, I think an auto championship shot is definitely warranted. I would just not skip Nganu to give Jones a heavyweight championship fight. No, for fight. sure. You can do that. I, I would not do that. That would be so messed up, but I wouldn't put it past the UFC. I mean, but I don't know. I think Nganu has been waiting. He's Jones done what he's been asked to. Take a little while to put the weight on, too. And like you said, Nganu's waiting. He was just waiting for this fight to happen. I think he'll fight Stipe before the end of the year. There we go. I hope that happens, because that's going to be a banger, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Somebody's lights are going out. And just in other news, uh, as soon as John Jones made the jump to heavyweight, somebody came out of retirement. Anthony Rumble Johnson. Oh, that's right. Said he's returning to 205. He's coming back to light heavyweight. Oh, so shit. Dom really? Dominic he's Reyes. Been, he's John been looking Lockett. pretty chunky in retirement. Yeah, he has. He has. But he's got weight to lose, I guess. All right, and I know he's backed by Ali, so he he's in pretty good pretty good oh, hands. Yeah. I'm sure he'll, he's he'll have he'll have one fight. top five fight, and then he'll be fighting for the belt, bro. That's just the way it's gonna go. So, do you think he's gonna be fighting for a, heavy, a light heavyweight championship? Oh in the yeah, if he if he wins his his comeback fight, he'll now that John Jones is gone, shit, fuck it, DC's gone too. Who's gonna wrestle him? Thiago Santos, Dominic Reyes, they're not gonna wrestle him. Dang, man. He's going to knock somebody's I, head out of the fucking octagon. I, I hope he can. He I, I like to be a champ. By the end style. of 2021, uh, Rumble might be a champion. Okay. All right. Yep. Um, and with that, we'll transition to the the contest standings. Last week, we picked four fights. Uh, one of them got canceled. It was five, but we just did four. So the standings are Roland Z, 43.7, Justin, 42.1, uh, myself, 48.2, Josh, 33.75, Gabby, 40.7, Big John, 27.1, Mondo, 39.45, uh, Roland G, 28.2, Izzy, 21, Diego, 36, Steven, 20.9. Rexa, 33.4. Jacob, 
three, Mike Gonzalez, six, Wally, four, Gene, 6.6, Ron, three, Leo Garcia, 8.35, Rick, five, Gabe Gonzalez, 2.5. We had some new people join the contest. Uh, Bob still with three, Rob Martinez with 4.5, Christian Rodriguez with 4.5, AJ Villarreal with two, and Raul Torres with two. So, shit, awesome. it seems like we, we're about at, like, 20 people in the contest now. Um, so, yeah, we'll, I mean, we got four, four months of fights left, and there's fights every single weekend from here on out. So, we'll be picking a bunch of the – we'll be picking a lot of fights. Unfortunately, this week, the fight doesn't have much to offer the card. Uh, the card this week, it's headlined by Frankie the Answer Edgar against Pedro Munoz. Um, seems to be maybe a number one contender or like, uh, I think the winner of this fight might, could possibly get a title shot. Maybe have to win one more. There's uh, a bantamweight, Pe- right? Yeah. Pedro, the young Punisher Munoz. This is a bantamweight. Munoz is 18 and four. Um, Frankie Edgar, 23, eight and one. We know Frankie Edgar's a veteran. OG. Uh, late in his career, dropping down in weight, was the 55 champ, went to 45, obviously fought Max and Aldo a couple of times, didn't get it done. Now going down to 35 to make a run, uh, doing it backwards in my eyes. Usually when you're younger, you start at the lower weights and then you go up. Mm-hmm. But um, he's cutting his weight for the first time and he's coming in against a dude who likes to slug and has some knockout power for this division in yes. Pedro Munoz. Um, I think Frankie Edgar's going to have to wrestle. He's going to have to try and get Munoz down. Honestly, bro, I just think that he's done. Once Brian Ortega's knocking you out with uppercuts, fam, um, that, that's the point where maybe maybe that's it. All the dehydration's only going to weaken his chin in my eyes uh, to make this weight. So I got Pedro Munoz in the second or third round by KO in this fight. Yeah, and, and Pedro's going to be fine. Two to one favorite, Roland, just to give you the odds. Okay, and and Pedro's going to be fighting with some, um, some extra oomph with him this this weekend after being left off of UFC four. He, he's oh, not really? on the UFC four gaming roster. Yeah, and he was actually pretty pissed off about it. He's like, "Hey, I typically don't care about stuff like this, but I've been in the UFC since 2014." He's like, "What the hell? How am I not included in this game? It's pretty That's messed weird. up." And you know, that wasn't in it either. A lot of people aren't in that game. And and you hit on a lot of the main main points as far as Edgar. He's going backwards in terms of his weight drop, and I think it's more out of necessity. You know, he was consistently um, outsized or he was undersized at at lightweight at the 155 division. Uh, Had to eventually drop down to featherweight where he got touched up, uh, lost to Aldo Ortega and Max Holloway, kind of like that. Um, and then, you know, he drops down to, what is he at now, bantamweight, and he's going yep. up against Pedro Munoz, and I think really the only route to victory for Edgar is, you know, you know shooting, getting some takedowns, because if it stays standing, I think Munoz is going to put his lights out. Um, so that's where I'm going with this fight. I'm not ready to say that his lights are going to go out, but I think Munoz is going to win this fight, and the USC is going to have to start thinking about how to retire Frankie Edgar respectfully and I, I love Frankie Edgar he's a good guy you follow him on social media straightforward guy straight edge guy for all intents and purposes good person but 
I think he's about to turn 39 if he's not already. And you, we don't see too many fighters last that long. It's, it's, it's been great to have him around this long, but I think it's coming to an end. Rolling with all the IG follows. I like it. Did I got to. But yeah, Frankie's going to have to grind out a win in over five rounds. I just, I, I don't see it. Uh, I think maybe he loses this fight and then they start booking him accordingly. Um, but yeah. And the, the other fight that we're going to pick, we're only going to pick the main event and the co-main event because this card just ain't it. Uh, it ain't it, Chief. It ain't it. But in the co-main event, we got Ovin St. Proof, 24 and 14, uh, coming in, fighting against Alonzo Menafield, uh, 9 and 1. Menafield fights out of Fortis MMA in Dallas. Um, his last fight, he fought Devin Clark, and it was like the first fight where he went out of the first round, or second round, I'm sorry, because all his fights have ended in the first or early in the second, first minute of the second round. But he actually went to a decision and he was gassed. Um, he was being taken down. I think that he can knock Ovin St. Prue out, but Ovin St. Prue, we know that he's crafty with all of those chokes. To get the chokes, you have to take people down. So you got to think that Ovin St. Prue is going to want to take Alonzo Menafield down. Menafield is coming in on short notice. Uh, I forget who Prue's original opponent was supposed to be. But I know that Menafield jumped in on two weeks short notice. Uh, Menafield is a short favorite. I think he's coming in around minus 140. I'm going to go with uh, St. Prue, man. I think that he's going to get him down. I didn't like what I saw from Menafield on the ground his last fight against Clark. Clark wasn't able to get the sub, but he was able to control him on the ground. And I think that St. Prue's just too crafty on the ground that he can sneak in that Von Flew choke and just add to his tally. So... I'm going to go with the dog in the co-main. Um, that's where I'm going with this one. I, I think it's a little weird for me because St. Prue is kind of an odd fighter, but we recently saw him go up to the heavyweight division. He had a pretty weird fight against uh, Ben Rothwell, but, I mean, he almost came back and won that fight. I think Won ben it Rothwell, done, though. He's back at 205. Yeah, he's back, he's back at 205 for sure, but that means that he, he, may or, he might be the bigger fighter here um, against uh, Alonzo Menafield. Um, and Menafield's I, Jack. He's a, but, but the thing with Menafield is, I think he truly only has one route to victory, and that's an early knockout. If he doesn't get it, I think OSP is going to dominate the second and third rounds. And give me OSP by submission. Um, I think he's going to end up taking this one out. I'm surprised it's lined to this way. Um, quite frankly, I, I think this would, should be closer, if not uh, having St. Peru as the uh, the favorite, because Menafield to me is still more of a prospect that we're trying to figure out what he truly has. Well, so. He's been in there with John Bones Jones, man. Uh, exactly, and Menafield is taking this on on uh, short notice. Right, I'm reading. So, so that so. also goes to his cardio was a problem in the last fight. Mm-hmm. Now he's taking a fight on two weeks short notice. The you can't think that he's going to have much to offer outside of the exactly. first round. Exactly. So yeah. I'm gonna, I mean, Ovid St. Prue, I'm not so confident in picking him, man, because he's so hit or miss. Like, but I'm gonna go with him for this one. And this pretty much wraps up MMA for us this week, bro. Um, okay. that that's all we got for the UFC. I'm looking forward to those two fights this weekend. I probably won't see most of the card, but I will tune into those last two. I know the Rockets and Thunder will be playing on Saturday as well. And we'll have uh playoff basketball but what else do you have to watch this weekend 
Uh, man, I'm I'm a big uh, soccer fan as of as of late. You know, uh, all the domestic leagues kicked off, and I think have mainly all wrapped up. So the only thing that we have to look forward for soccer fans is the big one, the Champions League Champions final. League. Uh, it's going to take place on Sunday. 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 It's, I believe uh, it's at one or two. Yeah, PSG versus Bayern. You got uh, Bayern as a short uh, half point favorite. Uh, the over under is set at three and a half. And I'm going to be glued to that TV because you got two offensive teams. But if I were just given a pick out, that's tough for me because I love uh, Kaylee and Mbappe and PSG. But I'm going to go with Bayern, Bayern man. They're just, yeah, they're just too well oiled right now. They're clicking on all cylinders. And uh, yeah, give me Bayern to win this game and give me the over too. I, I see like a 4 2 game. I agree. I see goals. I know Bayern beat the crap out of Barcelona. Um, like beat the crap out of Barcelona. Um, but even Barcelona had a lot of chances that they didn't finish on. Barcelona could have had three or four goals. They only ended up with two. I expect Bayern to score at least two against PSG and at least two. Like I said, at least two. And PSG, I expect them to score as well. Hopefully Mbappe will actually be able to play the full game instead of just being subbed in second half. Um, I know our buddy Diego, big PSG fan. Um, I got to ask him about that, but uh, the, these last two games, Mbappe has been subbing in second half, so we'll see if they have him for the full game here in the in the final on Sunday. I know uh, Elias Venegas is stopping by my house on Sunday, bringing some Franklin's barbecue from from Austin. Hell so yeah, hell yeah! Watch that game together. That. Yeah, we're gonna watch it here at the house. Nice, well, I'm nice. That's what's up. That. I got the other stuff. Also. I got Byron. Go. I expect goals. I expect goals. Yeah, so Byron and the over here for this podcast. And then obviously, I mean, I want to see what happens with the NBA playoffs. Uh, see if uh, any of the changes or the predictions that we have uh, stay true or if uh, there's some reversion on some of those, uh, like with the Lakers and Clippers. So definitely yeah. looking forward to all the sports that's coming up. And even the NHL playoffs are heating up. Um, so I'm looking forward to all of that stuff. Right now. Uh, Right now, late in the first, there's 2.30 left. Lakers are up 23-17. to 17. Okay. I'm about to turn that on as soon as we log off here. So, For sure. Um, I, I think that's all that we had to talk about today. Um, I, I know recently, uh, just to touch on this a little bit before we, we log off, because it is kind of a serious matter, um, the Washington football team, their head coach, uh, Ron Rivera, uh, has been diagnosed with lymph node uh, cancer. Oh, um, is that like yeah, I said that. What's that? Yeah, it just came out right now at eight o'clock. Uh, it's about eight thirty right now, so about twenty minutes ago, Adam Schefter broke the news. Uh, but they're calling it um, early stage lymph node cancer, and it's a uh, very treatable and curable. Um, yeah, so definitely, yeah, def- they caught it early, and you know, prayers out to Ron Rivera. Uh, seems like a good guy for all intents and purposes and never want to see this kind of news. But uh, on a good note, like they said, it's uh, very treatable and curable and they caught it early. So hate to end the podcast on a negative note like that. But like I said, uh, they should be able to um, attack this uh, in the proper way. And hopefully we, we get Ron Rivera in remission very soon. And he's not able to miss any or he doesn't miss any time as a coach. So, yeah, that, that's it. Unless, uh, Ben, you had anything else for the, the podcast nah, this bro. week? That's all I got. Like I said, hopefully we'll go live maybe Sunday, um, if not Monday for one of the games. But that's all I got. Yeah, there we go. All right. Well, let's uh, get to watching some of this playoff. 
uh, basketball. Talk to you guys next week. For sure. I like big butts and I cannot lie. That mother brother kind of not. When a girl walks in with an itty bitty bent and a big thing in your face, you get sprung. I supposed to be the franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. I mean, listen, we talking about practice, not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice, yes. not a game, not a game. Not a game. Slap that like she scored 30. We talking about sports. I mean, what are we even talking about, man? We talking about sports here.